Welcome to Beer, Welcome Money, to Beer Pulling Money Pulling Team. Sit down. Sit down. Shut up. Shut up. Hang on. Hang on. All right, Mr. Payne, where was this at nine years ago? Franklin, Kentucky, for the uh, uh, TS Performance Tractor Pool, okay. along with the drag race they had there. So it's been 2013, you think? Does that feel right? I think that's about right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to watch it, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, we have Brent Payne on the show tonight, guys. Sorry, I haven't done my formal <laughs> Yet. <laughs> it's your first day, so. Great video from our friend JP, Jesse Post at JP Polling Productions. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, October 10th. It's Let's Grow Polling Live. I'm Jason Schultz, the Paul Romack up there in the top right. Brett Yarn there in the top left. Ryan Roosink is probably mixing a drink on the bottom left. We're allowed to do that? What's that? Yeah, We're didn't you get the <laughs> didn't you get oh, the yeah. memo? Doug was Doug was supposed to tell you, Brent, that you're allowed to drink on the show. So that's all good. Uh, next time. Next time. Well, Brett, welcome to um, welcome to Let's Grow Pulling. We're honored to have you on here. Uh, we're trying to tell the stories of pullers. Obviously, we're going to talk about GMS tonight, your business, talk about, uh, you know, the Galat tractors. We see you driving a lot, of course. And then I, the color of money tractor, that you and your dad had that. Can you kind of, if you don't mind just starting at the beginning, let's just talk about who you are, tell us about your family, and then get into how pulling started with you, and let's just work our way up to the current state of where we are. Oh gosh, uh, it's when did it start? From the beginning, um, in the early '80s, my dad had a uh, a 190 Alice Chalmers super stock, I guess you'd call it back then. You know, um, sold that because then they had me, and then uh, and then antique tractors, and you know we had a Alice Chalmers big antique uh, cubic inch antique tractors. We pulled those, and then uh, uh, started to kind of grow up in the antique. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me the antique tractor side and then decided to uh start going super stock pulling in about 1997. Okay. um so my dad got me into the sport and i you know he had me pedal pulling at three years old and until i couldn't do that no more and then we did a few garden tractor things and then antiques and all that so it started at the bottom up what was the name of your dad's first super stock 
uh, it never had a name. I think it was just one of them things that he had for a short time, you know. And, okay. Yeah. You know. Do you know how he got started? Um, my grandpa and my one uncle would take him. Yeah, they would go to travel to tractor pulls years ago. They were in the excavating business and uh, did some farming and things too. So you know, they just they just uh, became fans. You know, when it started, he was at the first Bowling Green, I think. So my dad's been involved in the sport for years and years. That's awesome. Was that predominantly in the Ohio area then? Uh, between there and Louisville, Kentucky, you know, they would go uh, travel around within, you know, a few hours at home. Yeah. I'm just playing our video, our interview from Rockwell that we did right in the background while we talk. So it's just, I'm not having sound on the video, so we can just keep talking. So yeah, go for it. But show off the beautiful machines there. Um, do you, so 97s when he got into unlimited super stock pulling, you think? Well, so, you know, my dad had always been a fan of a guy named Gene Sharber for years and years and um, wanted Gene to build him a tractor and never would get him to do it because he was kind of busy at the phone company at the time. And, and, and there was a fellow named Wayne Kennedy that owned the tractor, the original color of money, which was actually Gene Sharber's tractor, the last tractor he owned. Well, Gene Sharber was the founder of GMS, Gene's Machine Shop. So, um, in 1996, 97, my dad purchased that tractor from Wayne Kennedy to get Gene Sharber to work for him on his tractor. So we kind of started that, you know, and I would start hanging out with Gene at that time, you know, uh, learning some things about the tractor. That tractor lasted a short while. We knew, realized that it wasn't going to be competitive enough in the, in the level we wanted to pull. So we then built a, uh, a new component chassis in, in 1999, 2000. And then the rest is history. Well, you know, as your uh, budgets and time and all that allow and, and things, yeah, we kind of were in and out over the next several years. Um, I purchased uh, GMS from from Gene and his wife when Gene was uh, sick with Lou Gehrig's disease, and I and I took that on a little quicker than I anticipated. Um, moved it from Kentucky to Ohio and started basically started over there and. And uh, we tried to dabble in our own with the color money for the next uh, couple of years. Um, switching from the unlimited super stock back to the lights uh, to, to learn that business a little bit more and learn the engine combination. And and uh, once I had that sorted out, that that ran that you showed right up front there was that that was the the last the second to last run that I made on the tractor. And uh, okay. after that, it was uh, <clears throat> business back to business. So, yeah. No, good deal. Good deal. Just join us. Let's Grow Pulling Live Monday, October 10th. Brent, Paul, Jason, Ryan with our guest Brent Payne tonight. Um, you're seeing a video that I did with Brent for our Behind the Helmet interview where this is how we roll um, of the Galat Motorsports team. And Brent's obviously part of that. And uh, just we did this in Rockwell, Iowa. And again, we're talking with Brent. If you have any, I want to hear some good color of money uh, or some, you know, older. If when you remember Brent was a younger man <laughs> uh, back in his earlier days, if you will on just stories and different things like that. I've always thought you're a hell of a driver, Brent, and it's been fun to watch you pull all these years. So thank you for driving. Um, you guys and mini rod pullers, I feel are the are the crazy ones because of your horsepower to weight ratio. You never know what an unlimited super or a mini rod is gonna do. And uh, when you guys grab the throttle, it's gotta be a thrill. It is, it is. I mean, and, and somehow they always catch me uh in in the best moments right like like the the ts performance video you showed there 
Ryan's caught me in multiple times with the wheels up and then all of a sudden the front end down and crashed. And I seem to get caught a lot with, uh, uh, in those situations, but, um, I don't leave the starting line unless I think I got a shot to win. Right. So, uh, give it everything we've got. Sometimes it's too much. So, well, well said, well, not only, yeah, well said, well said. If anybody has any question for Brent, please type in the comments. I'll put them there up on the screen. Brent, let's talk about Glott Motorsports a little bit. How many tractors are you guys campaigning currently? Uh, the, the, the two open super stocks right now still. Um, okay. The light pro stock is is running more and more. Uh, Holt Strickland, John's son, has, has been campaigning that more this summer. He's got several runs on it down south. And, um, you know, he's getting the hang of that really well. He also got the chance to drive the, the one tractor at Bowling Green and did a really good job there. So, um Unfortunately, my time is probably limited in the seat, <laughs> but uh, we are uh, in the process of, uh, of working on a light super stock tractor that, that, that I have been building on my own alongside this, you know, and uh, going to campaign under the, the lot name as well. So um, probably not a, a full time deal next year, but, uh, you know, to learn it and figure out what we can do with it and, and come out swinging. So. How did, how did 2022 go for you guys, Brent? Sorry, what was that? How did the 2022 polling season go for you guys? Um, you know, we kind of, this year we decided we were just going to sort of slow down a little bit. Uh, you know, like the COVID thing was was a bad deal for everybody, but for us it made us realize there was other things to do. Uh, and pulling for the last 20-some years, there's a lot of other things for that we can be doing. So um, John has a lot of work going on at home and and of course i got a lot of work going on at gms and and you know i can't be gone as much as i, I, I you know i'd like to be uh, and again the kids got things to do and and uh and so we 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 kind of wanted to slow down this year and just hit some like two-day events and not be gone during the week to the single day events and 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 really it was a nice schedule you know we started out in benson and and then uh, John went to Tumble without me because I was uh, whitewater rafting with my family, which was really cool. But uh, then Norwalk, Ohio and, and Rockwell, Iowa and Bowling Green, that was a really nice schedule. Um, so we, we, we had some success. We did finish one and two a lot of the times and then, you know, finished out the season. I finally got around the other tractor and, and was first myself and he was second. So um, we had some pretty good success, really, for the limited amount of time we ran. Yeah, we're showing some of your Rockwell runs here right now. Um, these would have been Thursday nights, I think. That yeah. was the better yeah. night. You know, it was like just like at Norwalk. You know, the first night we were awesome, first and second. Second night we looked like we couldn't. Uh, it was our first day on the job, so track <laughs> changes. Uh, you know, we didn't accommodate. Or we didn't change our setup nearly enough for for the next day, and just didn't work out. But um, uh, you know, we it happens. So yep. Oh, tractor pulling has a way of making you think when you have it all figured out. Brent has a way of come up and smacking you upside the head. So that's right. That's right. Um, got a question here for you, James Phillips. He's a mini rod puller out of Arizona. I know that for a fact. Um, he's asking, who builds these component chassis for these bigger tractors? Are they homemade or are they just bought from somewhere? Who's all in the chassis game these days? Well, you know, Engler is 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 number one. You know, they do the majority of the building still and they're you know unfortunately a couple of years out all the time so um, they do a lot of it um you know full pull motorsports has done a few and an ace chassis used to do more of them he's kind of more into the uh, 
into the ag type chassis nowadays. Um, Modern Machine, uh, Scott Tedder, you know, I, I can't, I guess I can't think of all. And, and there's a lot of guys that just build their own. So um, we've built a few ourselves. You know, the, the number, uh, the number one tractor that I drive, we built that chassis and uh, we've re kind of reconfigured the other tractors. But uh, as far as uh, production stuff, we, we're not really a production chassis shop. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, what was the other question? Oh, uh, what did Russ say, Brent? Um, what is the furthest someone has brought an engine for you to work on? Uh, in a container ship or an airplane over the sea. So we worked on, a, on an engine for the mud patrol team in, in the Netherlands. And it's been to the shop at least three times uh, to dyno and to rebuild and all that. Now we've got them where they can kind of handle most everything on their own now. But when they were in the early stages of learning, we would ship it over here and, and work on it and then ship it back. So. So Brent, you guys kind of uh, got into the mini rod game there for a little while. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I'm way too big to be pulling a mini rod for one. <laughs> uh, movable weight might be an issue. That is a problem, right? So the Pro Charger was was definitely good for movable weight because it, it did allow for that, you know, uh, to you know, it was handy for me because I'm big, but um, probably a hundred pounds at least too big for a mini rod. But um, it was a fun project. Uh, the Pro Charger was, you know, that was kind of helpful to to get the support of ProLine and, and FuelTech and and pro charger for that project and it was something new and different a lot of people were excited about it um, we put every effort we could into that thing to make it work and it just the combination just wasn't going to work the pro charger made extremely good horsepower but it wouldn't make enough torque so you had to really drive hard off the starting line to get going and by the time you're to 150 to 200 feet it was it was so hot the intake air was so hot that it would just shred the belt so and to back it down, it wouldn't wouldn't run good enough, and to speed it up, it run too good. So it, it just didn't have a lot of range, like a like a roots blower would have. So um, at the end of the day, it was like enough headache. Let's just get rid of it and 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 quit. Call it quits. Yeah, it definitely had everybody talking there for a while. There's a lot of people that were really hoping to see it uh, to do it because it did have all the potential in the world. But it's just like you said, you can get one, but you can't get the other, and it's it's a hard. You got to have that mix. Right, and. You know, it was a really cool piece. Um, a lot of a lot of new fans, a lot of drag racing fans liked it. A lot of current pulling fans that were just really excited to see something different. Um, the mini rod class as a whole hated it. They were so <laughs> afraid that we were going to come out with something that was just going to kick ass. And we were hopeful, but just didn't pan out. I told them, you know, right up front, I said, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. You can either let us try this. Or you can eliminate it. We're going to put a, a, a roots blower on just like you guys got and come out swinging hard. And and it just, you know, it was a fun project. This didn't pan out, you know. Um, no. To be honest with you, I mean, I like the Mini still. It isn't the same fun ride as a light super or a heavy super. I mean, it, it to me, is it's those two tractors have been most fun I've driven out of anything. And I've driven super farms and, and light pros and, and heavy pro stocks and, and, you know, all that stuff and, and the lights and the heavies are probably the, still the best ride, even over the mini. You're muted, Schultz. 
All right. Well, he's doing that. We got a question here. Can you see that on the screen, Brent? That's a good question, Art. I'm glad you asked it. Have you pushed uh, the technology? You've always pushed the technology envelope from fuel systems to the pro charger. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the next advance in horsepower? Ooh. That's tough. Um, you said we could ask anything, Payne. Don't back out. Yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we just getting warm, buddy. We struggle with this. Um, uh, you know, I've been in the horsepower sales business for a long time and decided that we don't really need any more horsepower um, because they can't get it to the ground in most cases. So it's hard for me because we don't really focus on selling more horsepower. We sell, you know, better quality driveline and, and better setup. And, and we try to, we offer consultation services for movable weight and, and data collection and all those things that, that are overlooked, you know, I was in a dyno business and we've been to the dyno many, many times and the dyno does not help a puller win. So, so my, you. you know, the focus at GMS is no longer horsepower. So that's, that's a hard question to answer. But on the other hand, where you gain it, it's in, in, in turbocharged motorsports, it's strictly in boost. Um, it really hasn't changed a lot in the last several years. You know, you crank the boost up, you put more fuel to it, you make more horsepower. Um, the cylinder heads, the the crankshafts, the rods, pistons, sleeves, the cam, all those things just have to become more durable along with it. Um, you mentioned a great point there about the horsepower. Everybody, you know, you hear a lot of guys that are chasing horsepower numbers. And one of the things that, you know, being around that stuff, guys are chasing a number. And it's, it's just exactly like you said, you can have all the horsepower in the world. And that mini rod might be the perfect example that you guys did. All the horsepower potential in the world, but you've got to be able to get it to the track, whether it be because you don't have torque or whatever. But that's when guys say, oh, I've got 2,000 horsepower in a 1,300 horsepower class. It's like, mm, you probably don't. But even if you did, you couldn't get it to the ground if you wanted to. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, I guess a, my a better example for me is, is you know, in, in, in 2013 or 14, we were looking at, I was hired by Earl Wells to, to, to combat Terry Blackburn in the V8, you know, and, and my wife looked at me, she says, you're going to do what? <laughs> you know, it was watching it on TV and they're like, there's no way. And, and everybody says, there's no way you can do it. Well, from that day forward, those V8s make more horsepower than we've made with our single six cylinders with no intercooler and, and, and 600 cubic inch, not 650. And so at that point in time, I, you know, if a super farm guy tells me that he needs another 15 horsepower to be competitive, well, you know, I can tell him to kiss because it doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm five, let's say I'm 500 horsepower short, but I can make that up in all the other little things that go along with it. And, 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 and that's something that, you know, we're trying to teach, but it's like, it doesn't it's not receptive you know to people they're not receptive of that information they just want to go to the dyno and, and buy the latest turbo and buy the latest pump and and you need that combination but that's part of the reason we got out of the dyno business is because i didn't feel comfortable selling a number you know yep. knowing that they're not going to win i would prefer to help them with their data and their weight placement their gear selection their tires than to sell them another part to, to maybe or maybe not make them some more horsepower yes so you mentioned uh, one of the things there just a minute ago, and you, maybe you could talk a little bit more about it, is the uh, driveline components. Can you talk a little bit about more uh, GMS's evolution into the driveline stuff? 
Yeah. So, you know, back <laughs> in the Super Bowl days, um, there was there was one particular year we went there and in almost side by side was the color of money of Wayne Kennedy and the spike truck of Bill Humphrey. All right. And, and, and at that time, I was probably, you know, what, seven or eight years old and, and never in my life that I think I'd end up with both their companies. Right. Let alone a vehicle that, that either one of them had built, you know. Um, and when we built the last color of money that Scott Holdrew has now, Bill Humphrey and I worked on that tractor together and learned a lot. Well, and, and I always told him, I said, at some point in time, you want to get out. I'm interested in learning your project, you know, your, your process. So um, to me, with us, you know, with my my mentality of not wanting to just seek out horsepower and sell horsepower all the time, I was looking for something else. And 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 the gear cutting, the, sh the splining, and all that stuff was just an art that I really was in intrigued about. So um, went to Bill. We we made a deal. He helped me out. And and you know today we've kind of blended the two together to uh, to come up with a whole different program than we started out with. So I guess um, that kind of that kind of leads into the next thing, you know, uh, can you talk a little bit about GMS and, and what it, what you guys do and, and how you can help owners? Sure, sure, sure. I mean, um, you know, we our our focus is is not only, you know, we, we've always been an engine shop. Right. So we, we've, we, you know, years past when I worked in Gene's basement at his house, we would buy and sell engine piston sleeves and do some block work and all that. Um, we evolved into to doing our own block work then and, and bought more machinery as we went along and then moved out of, when I moved out of Gene's place in Kentucky back to home, I had quite a lot more square footage and I bought more machinery and tried to do more of it in-house. Um, from that point forward, we just kept buying machinery to do what things that we couldn't get done elsewhere. And, and um, it, we were building a lot of engines at the time and selling horsepower and i got you know kind of tired of that so we've moved towards supplying parts and supplies and components to to people that you know other builders say you know our one of our, our biggest customers is is chris pickler at mondovi tractor you know so chris calls me every you know we're, we're on the phone every week and he says hey i need these parts you know and i supply him with the parts and he finishes the build and, and you know they handle the end user service and the dyno work and all that and we can handle all the machine work. So we're trying to build some partners with, with people like Chris and also with like Wipeout Enterprises. So um, where we handle all the manufacturing, all the machining and the engineering side, and they handle the other side, you know, the customer service and the final work, um, because we realize that we can't do it all effectively. And and that's kind of where the driveline side come in, because it's, it's manufacturing based. So we can machine every single part for the driveline there, minus the ring and pinion and the bearings we can make in-house so that just fit right into our machining side uh rather than having dyno you know spreading ourselves thin with dynos and fab shops and all that stuff yeah it's that's uh, you're it's hard to be a master of all trades you know you can be a jack of all trades but it's hard to master them all as well and it's it's that's what that's what helps, and and quite honestly, especially with the uh, the supply that you know the issues that we've had over the last couple of years, um, that's nice to have for for guys that are looking for parts because you know they don't have to go through a couple different people; they can go directly to the manufacturer and some of this stuff. 
Sure, sure. I mean, and, and we still sell to the end users, no doubt. Um, yes. But but sometimes, like, uh, you know, with various people, like with Chris Pickler, for example, you know, there's things that they can't handle. So we help them with that. And he, of course, he deals with Riverside and with other people, too. But um, we try to work on specific things to help them out. Um, yep. We also do, um, you know, build differentials for Angler Machine and for Modern Machine and, and you know, for full pull motorsports and whoever else that, that orders that kind of stuff, we try to supply them with parts. I sell planetaries and differentials to Terry Blackburn. Um, you know, so we, we, we try to help the other builders and support our product and get information back from them to make our products better. And uh, something that I really never had when we were, were, were starting out and, and trying to build our own pulling tractor was, was support and information and all that, you know, it was always secret. You know, if you, if you wanted to buy something, nobody would tell you anything about what you were getting. And we've tried to be exactly the opposite. I want them to know everything we've got, what we do, how we do it. And, um, you know, be as open-minded as an open book as we can. So we've got another question here. Uh, Devin McLaren wants to know, do you sell Hemi stuff or just stuff for your six cylinders and stuff like that? We are working on some some Hemi things like the picture you just saw there, the gear machine running. Those are Hemi flex plates we do for a drag racing company. Um, we are getting into a fair amount of uh, different components for drag racing as well. Um, we got to square up and, and, and finalize a bunch of things with our with our, you know, six cylinder stuff now, so to speak, uh, and, and clean that up. But with Jesse Petro, he works for me as well. Um, and he's a Hemi guy, you know, that is in our, in our future planning is to just kind of start moving that direction. Maybe not so much, uh, engines and things like that, but, but for sure, uh, consultation and, and, you know, gear ratio things and, you know, data collection, that kind of thing for Hemi. So, yep. So one of the things that, um, you know, you've mentioned before, there's your, your, uh, involvement with Earl Wells and, and John Strickland. Uh, they also run some, uh, was that pro mods, I believe on the drag. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that, you know, you talked about your drag racing, um, you know, starting to do some of those things. Are you learning things from that setup that you can kind of incorporate into your business? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, we, the, the drag race clients we deal with now absolutely came from, uh, from the, uh, the Galat Motorsports drag racing team. So, made some really good contacts there from, you know, from Jeff Bohr at Bohr Racing Products to Mark Mickey and, and the transmission people in, down south and, and ProLine. I mean, we do some things for ProLine and other subsidiaries there. So um, <clears throat> absolutely, uh, there's there's information uh, that's definitely a, a usable from the drag race side. Tune-up wise, never in a million years will I listen to a drag race guy for a tune-up. <laughs> And I want to tell you, everybody in, in the Hemi world has tried it, is done the same way. There's a, it's a whole different answer. But where they do is, where they do help is with procedures, with data collection, with, you know, testing. Um, you know, they get the opportunity to go out and test constantly instead of just going to the track and, and hoping for the best. You know, they, they make multiple test runs. You know, I've got, you know, I know like uh, Luis De Leon from, from uh, fuel tech, you know, that guy never races in competition, but he makes hundreds of passes in a car a year just to test. So they've got so much data to work off of. 
and and that's kind of with with us in the Galat Motorsports team is you know you see the trackers that are on the track at competition you know maybe at, at you know 15 20 times a year at the very most we make at least that many runs a year on my own track behind our shop or at Mark Bingham's track or somewhere else you know so you know we're constantly making laps and and that's the kind of thing that I learned from the drag racing side you know the most part is that the horsepower isn't always what gets you there it's the consistency and and the durability speaking of uh <clears throat> field tech you guys tried that out on one of your tractors correct we did you know the tractor that i drive we, we ran with a complete fuel tech ignition and fuel system on um and we were very very close to being perfect with it it was very tunable uh it made horsepower it didn't make more horsepower than the other system but it was safe it, was, it seemed to be better with parts it was better with um you know fuel consumption and oh, a lot of things it, the worst part about it is that it wouldn't at, when you pulled a throttle at the end of the track you weren't able to drive out hole you know it was kind of like you couldn't really pull the fuel shut off out to lean it up you know like we do on the other alcohol trackers to get to leave out you know to drive off the track it was just so loaded up that uh it that was that was the worst thing right so they towed me off the track big deal um would have loved to have kept that system on and kept working with it but unfortunately we've got some uh um non-forward thinking people in the rulemaking committees on uh one side of the the pulling organization group no we uh decided that. that it was you know if we're gonna run both we gotta take it off so we uh we just left it sit in the corner so Bruce is like the guy in the corner without his camera on. All of a sudden, you hear just hear a noise. Oh, he's still alive. <laughs> Can you guys not see my camera? Correct. No. You've been dark. The black screen. Really? Yeah. You really? You were on right. earlier. It happened. it happened right away. When you came on, That's you were weird. there, and then you were gone. That's weird. Yeah. Brent, Crazy um, stuff. Uh, <laughs> Burkholz was saying, who's Chris Pickler? They built his life role. He was being a smartass. He is uh, a smartass. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to catch up with something. There you are, Roos. Mike Whitney says two words, ice cream. Mr. Payne, you have to tell us why Mike Whitney is saying two words, ice cream. So. Uh, who knows that guy? He, <laughs> he said that during the uh, mini rod discussion. Oh, he did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Probably because I eat too much of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Mike and I go back a long ways. So, oh, do you have any good Mike Whitney stories that you could tell us just for fun? Uh, nothing that you want to repeat on camera, no. See, but see we've, had, we've had Tony Reed from Growing Corn 2020 on TikTok on. So, like, when people say that, like, we've heard it all. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. But if you don't want to, yeah, if you don't want to hurt your friendship, yeah, that's another. That's another <laughs> we've been a few places in the world, I'll, tell you, I'll put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Well, mm -hmm. let's let's put it this way. The next guest that we're going to try and get is Mike Whitney, and we're going to ask him to dish on you. So, you know, <laughs> he's a now. way better salesman than me. I think a guy could sell ice to an Eskimo. Or Maybe that's why he's not one of the two. How did it feel to break uh, Fuel Tech's dyno? I wasn't really that exciting. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it uh, their dyno wasn't even near near capable enough to hold that thing, but it did help us uh you know get a good baseline to start with um and it, it raised a whole lot of attention on the internet so yes it did yeah great That's people to work do. with though great people to work with yeah they made a great video for that 
If you just join us, obviously we're live with Brent Payne right now. Put your questions in. We got a lot of questions to go through and comments and different things like that. Uh, it's fun having technical guys on here like yourself, Brent, because Paul and Ryan and Brent can get all excited and ask you good questions and things like that. So it's always good. That's how we get Paul Romack to talk to people. So. Hey. <laughs> Uh, one question we did have on here. What happened to the Super Farm tractor? Yeah. It is in Earl's Museum. Uh, oh, it is? I don't think it's going to come back out again. Uh, gotcha. You know, it's, it's uh, Earl's got quite the extensive antique tractor collection. And um, it's just kind of tucked away in there, and, and he's happy to leave it right there. Rich, are they all orange? No, most of them are Olivers. Uh, I'm saying he's got, uh, Oliver guy. Yeah, he's okay. got a lot of Oliver tractors, a lot of them. And uh, some Moline's, I mean, you know, some really, really nice stuff. Now, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some people know, of course, there are a lot of people in pulling know the Galat team, but uh, a lot of people may not know who Earl Wells is. Can you talk a little bit about Earl and what he what he's done with you guys? Well, I might have to tell some stories on him, too. So and he may listen. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, the first the first time Earl called me, I was at Jeans and Jeans shop and uh, and he was asking me why he couldn't find any freight company to insure an Alice Chalmers 426 block for 25 grand. <clears throat> and I asked him if it was gold plate. <laughs> Bingo. And, uh, and and he said, no, I said, just put on r &L, it'll get it here. So anyway, you know, we built him this engine and, and he's he's calling he's calling never met the guy before he brings it up himself and i was getting up to go to church with my family on sunday morning and and he's asleep with john in, in a pickup truck in my driveway and <laughs> and i thought man i thought this guy had a few bucks you know he's sleeping in the back seat of his pickup truck and they gotta load this piece of crap out of the back of it into mine and and on and on and um so fast forward a few months you know and he's uh calling he's like hey my uh, my hometown pole's coming up here, and I, I need that tractor down here to go run. And I said, well, I said, how did that work out for you on the last guy that built your engine? He says, well, you know, you know we throw the rods out with about every three runs. I said, okay. I said, well, you want to wait and get the best, or do you want to go pulling next week and come get it now and fix it yourself? And uh, and he said, oh, uh, I guess I'll wait. So, and that's kind of the the beginning of of a long relationship with Earl Wells, and it's been. Uh, you know, that was, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, probably, you know, close to 18 years now. So. Now, what was that motor out of? The first super farm motor was a 426. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, those things were just not built to make 640 cubic inches. So later on, we switched it to a, a series 40 Detroit and uh, that, that motor ran really well. And that's what's in the tractor now. But you know, he just kind of had the, the hankering to go faster. So we just, you know, that's what we kind of stuck with the faster stuff. Was that AC 220 sheet metal or 200 sheet metal? Uh, 210. 210. Yep, 210. 210. Mm -hmm. So we got another question here from Moose's tractor pulling videos. He says, why do you, you, the unlimited super stock guys seem to have their fuel systems working better than the light super guys? It seems the heavier class stays alive and I like that. <laughs> Would you agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, um, there's a few factors. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be pretty honest here. Most of the guys screw with them too much. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's, that's a big factor. Um, 
we haven't really had fuel system trouble for a while. Uh, but, you know, again, that's a lot of data collection for years and years and years. Um, one kind of key factor in the lights is that the load at the start line is a little bit lighter, so they don't have as much, you know, load behind them to keep to get the fuel system and turbos going. Nine out of ten of them probably got too big of turbos on them nowadays to that they really got to wail them off the start line to get going. There's no drivability, so then they misfire and all that. Another factor is that, um, you know, the ignition systems of the mag, whether it be a mag or a points box or whatever, uh, you got to have those things perfect. The spark plug wires have to be clean. You can't have any oil on the plug, porcelain. The gas have to be right. You know, there's so many details that a lot of people miss. And those are the main reasons why alcohol tractors misfire on the start line. It's not necessarily uh, a fuel system issue all the time. It, it could be other little things, you know, that cause that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fair question, though, to think that the heavier ones do run better. They, they're, uh, you know, if you look at the guys that are running the heavy class, though, you know, Terry Blackburn has been involved with it since the beginning, and Aaron Hall, the same thing, and myself, and, and Neil Ginninger. You know, there's just a lot of guys that have been pulling that class. Jordan Lustig. You know, everybody has troubles, but you're right. They, they do seem to run smoother than the lights. What was your yeah. favorite tractor that you've ever built or campaigned in your career thus far? Hmm. Man. I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, the very first one, the first component color of money was probably the one that, you know, that's the first tractor we actually truly kind of put together and got running between ourselves and Gene Sharwood and a few other guys, you know, so um, that one was fun. You know, when I was in my early 20s, my dad would go a lot of places. I mean, the first summer we hooked that thing 75 times or so in, in Ohio State and, and ATPA and NTPA, and we just went everywhere. And then we wore it out and couldn't hook a whole lot the next year. So that tractor was a lot of fun. And, and we, we ran it um, until we built the tractor that's on the screen now with uh, Bill Humphrey. That tractor was a great tractor, too. Just didn't get enough time with it. Um, but the, the first one ended up going to Europe uh, and, and ended up as the Extreme Temptation, which was just sold. And it had good success for, for William DeVos as well for the last several years. So, um, so yeah, I'd say the first one was the favorite. This one was this one was fun to build as well, um, and and I just wish I would have had more time to drive it. But I'm, you know, I had uh, growing business, and and I had three kids that were uh, th four years and under at the same time, and and it was the smart thing to do to to sell the tractor and, and work on the business. So, what was the what was the sheet metal on that? Was it seventy? something 10 it seems like it was the, the first one was a 78 10 the second was a okay that's what i thought yeah mm -hmm. um where did brent Payne's first tractor pulling wind come from what class uh 1937 a alice chalmers at the dark county fairgrounds and probably 2000 or no probably 1994 or five nice that was on a, on a powered tractor. Before that was pedal tractors. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're looking for powered. Yeah. Uh, Tony Smerling has a question on here about the unlimited supers, both of those Galat tractors. 
Are they mm-hmm. pretty much the same setup now, or is there some differences between the two other than the chassis being built at different times? They're fairly similar. Um, yeah. Different turbos on them uh, is about the only thing. Difference is a little bit in tires and the chassis, yeah. yeah. But nine times out of ten, they'll finish within feet of each other if the runs are the same. Yeah. So, But they're well, pretty close to the same nowadays. With a two tractor team, you need to be able to transmit as much data from one pass to the next. To, yeah, that's uh, correct. I mean, we, 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 they're enough different, but we, we know what each of them likes and what they, you know, how they respond. So, yep. The data definitely correlates. So, yep. Burkholz has got a good question. He's not always a smart ass. Um, <laughs> he says, What's a vehicle? Yes, he is. Well, that's true. What's a vehicle you've driven that we might not know? Uh, oh, well, um, in in Europe in 2002, I got to drive Willem Veldhausen's Bits and Pieces. Really? And and yeah, that was uh, that was you know pretty exciting then. So I, I've driven that tractor, um, and another one was the Mud Patrol in. in 2018 actually the first time i drove it won the european championship in the pro stock class and um so um yeah those two there would probably be the probably a tie really so uh another one that i'm not sure of so i'm looking at dan mayer's list of vehicles that you campaigned over the years and instead in 2010 and 11 you drove a tractor is that uh, MX505 called the player. Yeah, a guy named Danny Ganniger used to run uh, Pro Stock years ago. Um, we built the tractor for him. He, it was a Joe Eater chassis. Uh, we built the motor for him. He ran it for a couple of years and, um, you know, kind of just got it going for him, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up that tractor is now, the chassis itself is now uh, the Pfeiffer's, uh, Pfeiffer Max tractor from. Uh, Connorsville, Indiana. Adam Wilson's got a question. So pulling here or in Europe, how do they compare? Um, it's getting closer and closer to being the same as far as the, on the track. The tracks are extremely well prepared. Uh, we were, my wife and I just went to Alphen, the Netherlands, uh, about a month ago. And the, the attention to detail they put in the track is unbelievable. The dirt's perfect. Uh, no rocks. They go pick them up. They go out there and walk with buckets and pick up the track, the rocks in the track. Wow. Uh, you know, so they spend a lot of time preparing that. Um, there's still some things about their, you know, their, their lightweight sleds and, and everybody gets a second chance kind of thing that I don't always agree with. Um, of course they have politics and they're pulling just like we do here, but the crowds there are unbelievable. Um, it is designed to be an entertaining event, and 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 I like that aspect of tractor pulling. I think we miss a lot here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy pulling in Europe. I really do. There's we we try to go at least once a year, and uh, you know, it's it's definitely a learning experience. If uh, there's one thing that the U.S. could learn as far as the show, you were talking about how they they have you know big crowds and stuff. What's one thing that um, the U.S. organizations can uh, incorporate to uh, to get better crowds? Uh, um, you got to attract young people. 
you got to make it a, a, attractive for for not only the people that are, that are driving there themselves that are young, but also for for kids that aren't bored to death sitting in a seat waiting on the next track or going to track or you know, uh, you know if if you can't have a kid sitting there, then mom and dad aren't going to come and sit with them. So you gotta you gotta have something going on out there to keep the kids at attention. Um, you know, there's in Europe, there's music, there's lights, there's, you know, there's there's exciting announcers that jump up and down and they, they, they play music when the when the polars come on the track. It's just there's there's excitement and something going on all the time. And uh, and I think that, you know, you, you know, there's times I've been to polls out here that it's like you could almost hear crickets in between the, the tractors going. And it's it's painful to sit there and watch that knowing that there's another option. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that, that any or anybody that promotes a poll needs to go to Europe and watch how they do something there. I mean, and all the polls are kind of modeling themselves after the model poll. And I've been to that one before. It's awesome. I mean, totally amazing. Uh, the Alphen poll is a really great poll for a smaller poll. But they, they, they've all modeled their self after that, that deal. I mean, they take care of their, their, their sponsors. They take care of those people instead of just taking their money. Um, they, there's just so many things that are, uh, that are exciting about European pulling to me. Uh, that, but I think uh, if you're going to promote an event, that's where you go to see it, see how it's done. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to your career. What's the toughest obstacle you've ever, you've ever had to overcome? either on the track or in, in, in the shop. So personal or professional. Oh man. Um, dealing with unreasonable customers. Um, <laughs> there's no. sometimes because I take Preach, it brother. very, <laughs> I take it very personally. Um, because we put my guys and I, we put every ounce of effort we can into what we do every day. And especially me, I, I take it personally if things don't work. And we will do whatever we can to make them better if it's in our control. You know, you can't always deal with supply chain issues or or things like that. Um, but we've dealt with so many people that don't give us the benefit of the doubt and won't return a part to see what failed and won't give us all the information. Or, um, you know, they're constantly blaming you for for failures that you can't control. Um, that's that is the hardest thing for me because like I said it hits me so personally um, uh, and and you know there's times I've been like why do I want to do this why do I want to deal with this uh, over the years I've learned just to not deal with those type of people and and, and I've been in business long enough now I can choose to do that it, it's way too short my life's way too short to deal with people that are unappreciative and 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 don't understand the hardships that we deal with, you know, um, and I'm not picking on any one group, you know, but our shop runs five days a week, 12 hours a day. And I'm there a lot of times on Saturday and sometimes on Sunday. Well, that's all year round. And then I'm at a pool on the weekend and trying to do the we can there. Um, so it's not like we have a, harvest season and a planting season and everything in between is kind of like let's go have fun track and pulling or go to florida uh it's it's that way all year round and we kind of shove in here and there a time away to do other things but but we put in 110 percent effort every day and 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 you know like i said it's it's we're just going to work for who we want to work for from now on 
How amazing did it feel to fire your first customer? <laughs> um, and I'm not asking for a name drop. I don't care. No, I no, just that's, want, that's great. For your I mean, mental, what did that mean? What did that mean I, for you the first I've time you some, said, go elsewhere? Uh, I, you know, and the, the heart, you know, like like with Galat Motorsports, right? People say, well, you know, they got a lot of money and they pay the, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're going to deal with them and you're not going to really care about us. So that's not really true. You know, if a guy pays his bill and he treats us with respect, we work for him as hard as we do with a guy that's got lots of money. And I've got customers that I've fired that have lots of money, but didn't value our time. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't, uh, um, they weren't respectful of, of hours or, or weekends or, you know, the middle of the night. And, and, uh, you know, this is my job. It's not my hobby alone. We, we do need time away from the shop. So, um, when we get rid of those kind of things, it's a relief. It's not just like, you feel good about it, but it's a relief to, to get rid of that kind of burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you used to, uh, that was a good choice of words with the, with the word burden. You know, it's, it's, um, and that's kind of why I've, I've kind of gravitated more towards the manufacturing because the machinery runs and gets the parts done and we can do what we can do. Um, when we were building tractors, I mean, there was times that was there 24 hours a day and you know you get no sleep and the customer's breathing down your neck and, and you get to the pool and, you, and everything's kind of half done and it seemed like it was fun uh and then it wasn't fun <laughs> so um i don't know maybe things have changed because i'm older now but uh we just uh we don't like that kind of pressure when there's pressure behind you like that nothing really ends up well yeah and it's it's nothing more. You're you know you're not trying to take shortcuts. You're trying to you serve the customer, but you just you know sometimes things happen and it just it doesn't work very well when you're trying to do that. And it's you hit the nail right on the head when you said it's just not worth it. It's just not. It's, it's not. I mean that's not. I don't. And I there's been people in my career that that I thought, man, when I was a kid, I was like, I just want to work for that guy. You know, if I can only get to there, that that I'll have this notoriety of the shop. And to be honest with you some of the bigger names have been the worst to work for and just because they feel like they've been they, they feel like they have more um, deserving this than I have to be there. So, and, and, and I've never at one point in time, I guess I should say that never uh, early on in my career, I was doing it for the glory, right? I wanted the big name on the trophy and I wanted to be the guy that supplied this and that to whoever. But, you know, at the end of the day, I love the sport. I love my job but I'm doing it to pay my bills. I'm doing it to feed my family and to build a life for us and, and for the families that work for me. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, 10 families that, that, that work for me. So, um, you know, that's what it's for. It's for us. It's, it's not for the customer per se to, 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 to have them breathe down my neck and be at their beck and call. So, you know, we've just changed our mindset in the last several years. Good for you. There's a lot of guys who run shops that will run themselves to death. And they never, they never get to that, that point in their career or they never grow the stones to do it. And, and it is a growing the stones moment. I know it is because I've been there. I've had to do it and it's not fun to do, but you got to get there, uh, get there to that point where you can tell somebody, look, this just ain't going to work. Right. I mean, and I've, I've done this, my, this, this whole building of GMS and combining it to Humpco, 
while, you know, with a, a wife and, and trying to keep a relationship with my wife and, and raising three kids that were, you know, basically within four years of each other. I bought GMS when the first, the last one was born. And, and you know, for so a, a baby, a, a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and then work them all the way up through this process. And now they're getting ready to graduate high school. You know, one of them is. So um, they've sacrificed a lot for me to do this, but they've also been there with me all the long way and learned, you know, the pulling family and they've made friends. And, and uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I would never trade it for the world, but I'm not going to subject them to the negativity of it either. Yep. We've got another good question here. Colton Bartelt. Most notable diesel super stock or pro stock you've driven? Um, How about um, one of you know, each? Uh, okay. Um, I don't know that I've ever driven a diesel super stock, to be honest with you. Somewhere out there in pulling land, we need to change this. Yes, we can fix we that. We need to change this. No. No, I, I, I think I'd rather just put my head in the vice and crank the wheel around. <laughs> well, no one said we said no drive said, it. We didn't say work on it or no one said you'd have drive to fix it. it if you screwed it up. I know where your head's at. Side. I mean, um, you know, I, I, my experience with diesel super stock was with Neil and Bud Ginninger. I put a lot of hours in fixing things for that tractor, and probably me was what caused them to get rid of the thing anyway and go to alcohol, but. <laughs> Uh, I, from that point on, I had zero desire to have one of those things. Zero. Um, and uh, not that I don't like the class. I do. I just, uh, you know, it's just not for me. Um, same with Pro Stock. I mean, I, I've driven I've driven Mike Whitney's Pro Stock, you know, a few times. And uh, I drove Mike Connie's a couple of times testing it. Um, they don't do it for me. I'm sorry. I mean, they're, they're cool. They sound neat. But I wouldn't trade the ride on the alcohol super stock light or heavy for any of them. Wow. And now, you know, folks, to be honest, I have more fun driving Holtz light pro than I did. I did the big pro stocks. I, I like the lighter weight. I feel it better. You know, you just, that's just my mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. Very true. Who's the toughest competitor you've ever faced on the track? Terry Blackburn, that's easy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Terry is is always. Um, I mean, I've been pulling with Terry since since two thousand, and a quiet guy doesn't say much. Y'all know him, um, and and you know there come a time where we were we were given a pretty good, you know, we were we were taking care of him pretty well regularly, and his wife was just you know Colleen was kind of like it seemed like she was just distraught like they didn't know what to do and I said look I've been watching him from behind for a long time so I know where all his flaws are but uh you know it, it, he's he's not only a great competitor but he's a great guy and a good friend as well so what's the single biggest innovation that we've seen over the past decade in the sport hmm detrimental innovation or <laughs> the dyno probably is the worst thing that ever happened fair um, enough i i mean it's just it's 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 caused an exorbitant amount of money to be spent for very little gain my, my my opinion but um there again on the other hand it does make it so you can be more durable and competitive i guess um the turbocharger technology is is probably you know, it, it has gained more than anything 
you know, when we started working on super farm tractors, they were 900 to 1,000 horsepower. Now they're 1,700 with basically the same rule set. Uh, not much has changed from the valve cover to the oil pan, but you keep bolting on the turbo and turn the fuel up a little bit, a little more water, and that thing will just keep climbing. So I'd say turbochargers are the biggest gain. Hey, you, before we ask you the next one, you should read what Schlaubaugh just wrote. <laughs> I didn't even think he'd want to get caught dead with something with spark plugs on it. So <laughs> I think Travis is uh, starting to, um, he wants a four engine mod. When he answers Ryan's question, is that what he said? He wants a big mod or he would if he could trade um, it? That's, a, that's yeah. way less work than a diesel super stock. <laughs> it sure is. It's the biggest win of your career. What was the most notable, the most special to you? Oh, man. Uh, the Jason European may have told you that it was going to be softballs. I didn't. Yeah, that European I, championship deal on the Mud Patrol in 2018 was pretty special. I mean, you know, for, for stepping on the tractor for the first time and, and, and beating the shit out of the Rocky team, that was awesome to me because <laughs> <laughs> nobody was expecting that. And, 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 you know, it uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, the Bowling Green Ring is probably the most special Galat win I've ever had. Absolutely, because you know I've been going to Bowling Green since I, my dad carried me in there, and never in my life did I think we'd get get to do that. You know, and, and you know John's got three of them rings, and that one I got was just that much more special to me because you know we did it. But I mean, and we're a team, right? We do it all together. But it just happened to work out where I got it at that time. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, won every kind of big event that there is from, from Louisville to, uh, to Bowling Green to, to, you know, wherever, I mean, it's, it's all, you know, it's just all special to me. What's your favorite place to pull that's not, uh, Bowling Green, Toma or, uh, Louisville. You hmm. got a favorite track here? I used to like Fort Recovery because it was close and nice. You know, I used to go to a kid, but I always do terrible there. So, um, man, uh, I can't say I, it. There's, we don't get to go to a whole lot of different places or, you know, those, those tracks are always fun to go to. Rockwell was really neat. I, I enjoyed Rockwell. That was a good uh, answer. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. Uh, years ago, we used to go to a place called Inwood, Ontario. That was a fun place to pull at in, in St. Hyacinth, in Quebec, Canada. Uh, just different atmospheres. I enjoy the different atmospheres of Poland, you know, and, and it doesn't, I don't really have a favorite. I just want to see something different. And, and the same old stale every year, the same show just is boring to me. So. This is probably where Russell Dostal is uh, writing a comment, inviting you to come to Wisner next year <laughs> or Rock Valley or any of the big outlaw shows. I guarantee he is. And if not, Russell, you, you're killing me. <laughs> I'd love um, to try to come there one day. Hey, Brent, would love to, I'm not going to lie. We'd love to have you out here. It'd be oh, fun. Well, and you talked, we talked to Rockwell, Brent. You talked about the two-day shows, and that, I mean, I get it. I, I totally understand that um, from, from a running standpoint, you know. It's nice to go there and do that. Hey, that St. Hyacinth and that Inwood, those were big NTPA Grand Nationals, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, how long ago did those kind of go away, Brent? I'm trying to find some video. This is great having you on because all the guys are asking questions and I can go 
hunting and pecking for video. I love it. Um, we had them pulled in St. Hyacinth for quite a few years. They still pull there. Uh, NTPA has okay. yep. not gone there for several years because of the, the, the getting over the Canadian borders kind of a pain in the ass. Okay. Um, Inwood, yeah, it's been awesome. since probably 2002, maybe since they've had a pull there. Yeah, Charles yeah, has been a hot minute on his yeah. page. I, I found some. What's the most rewarding part of the sport for you? Is it the competition? Is it the building? Is it the friendships? Is it the rings and the wins? What is it? Oh, I mean, we've we've built some great friendships with uh, people all over the world with tractor pulling. So that's we we wouldn't have the life we have now without it. Um, we've got. I will a hundred percent agree with you. We've got you know friends from coast to coast in the states and 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 European. I mean, I can I never in my life would have thought I've been in Europe traveling traveling around and being able to visit people just as I would here in Ohio or Indiana. So, you know, but I can travel in, in, in Holland and drive in the car and go kind of wherever I want and go see uh, the Bobcat team and then drive down the street and see the, the Lombada team and, and, and Willem Veldhausen and, 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 you know, the Mud Patrol guys and whoever else. I mean, I, it, it, that's, uh, I never thought I would have that, but the friendships are absolutely the most important thing. Um, Mike, Mike Whitney's watching and speaking of friends, uh, Mike, tell us what you love about Brent Payne. Throw that in the comments for me, and I'll put that up on the screen. So, uh oh, here comes the cookies for Bennett. Is it, it's it's Bennett Fawcett, right? I always say that. I always want to say Bennett Fawcett, but because that's kind of French. I just you can, like, like I said, you can call him whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I finally got to meet him at Rockwell this year. So, but what's uh? So I've seen cookie references and ice cream references now. Pain. I don't quite understand. So. I guess I'm out there. I have to refresh my memory on them. I'm I'm getting old and I can't remember all those things. Mike Whitney says his radio face. Okay, there's a lot of <laughs> what a dick. What a dick. <laughs> there's friends like him who needs enemies, right? That's right. Oh, well, Whitney, we are coming for you. We are going to get you on the show, and Brent will be in the audience, so you can expect a little bit of uh, you know give and take there. So I do have one question. Where did the color of money come from? Obviously, I, I know the stupid answer, but um, there was a lot of pearl in that in that green, wasn't there? You mean the color itself or where the name? Yeah, the from? actual color itself, because, I mean, that was a <laughs> signature thing. I mean, my cousin, Eric, who lives up in West Michigan and doesn't get to a lot of polls, you ask him what color the color of money is, he knows your name immediately. <laughs> And he remembers yeah. that first tractor. Well, it was. Um, he actually gave a speech on it, believe it or not, in college. <laughs> I am one. I will put my hand on a Bible. He absolutely it, it, did. That color. So, so you know, the first color of money was was Wayne Kennedy's. You know, we 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 came friends with Wayne Kennedy. His was actually still John Deere green, right? So, mm -hmm. um, my dad is colorblind, and John Deere green paint looks like primer to him. So we had to pick a color. We had to pick a color that that he could see. That's hence why there's you know that one has all those different colors. The the green is actually a, an emerald green from GMC. Is that right? Hmm. Yeah, like a like a mid '90s or something. Yeah, GMC color. And no pearl mixed into it. No, 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 not that one. Just just wow. metallic. Yeah, it's um. It's got a little metallic in it. 
we had like that one's probably the worst paint job we had because I'd blowed the hood off of it so many times. <laughs> Couldn't afford paint anymore. So we had to paint it ourselves. Well, that's <laughs> one of the questions that we had on here was your biggest fire explosion that you've been in. Oh gosh. <laughs> um oh, man. I burnt my lungs one time from 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 from, from I'll never forget that, but um, you know, we burned pistons and throwed rods out and torch cylinder heads. And, you know, I, it, 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 it all blends together. It's just part of making horsepower, I guess. Mm -hmm. Tractors are good at finding the next weak point. They do. They do. We so, try to get better at not doing that. So we don't have to work quite as hard. So, Yeah. So uh, what's what's next for Brent Payne? Um, you know, you talked a little bit about potential new tractor coming to the stable. What about GMS? What's what's coming next for you guys? Well, um, you know, uh, if there was seven work days in a week, which there kind of sometimes are, we we could use an eighth and ninth or whatever. So trying to to optimize our work time for the families that work for me, because a lot of them do drive some of them an hour away. Um, so we've cut back to a four day week, 10 hours a day. And then and, and some of them do come in and work some overtime on Friday. I'm still there working. Um, I don't want to live my whole entire life. I'm trying to, to get the business set up where it can, it can operate and, uh, and, and things move smoothly. So we've got a new in-house designer, uh, you know, engineer kind of guy that does our drawing. He does our drawing packages and make it more professional. Um, so, uh, trying to get the business to run without my head, so to speak. Um, I'm dabbling in a few other things. I've, uh, you know, got, got some excavating equipment. I kind of do some clearing, um, uh, got a partner. We do some mini storage places. So I'm kind of working on some of those things and some rental properties and stuff. Um, I want to get, so where I've got enough separation in my business life that, uh, I can still make pulling my number one hobby and priority as far as a, a hobby goes. So I got to a point where I despised it and then I've kind of started working my way back in to, to appreciate it and to love it again. So I had to do the separation to get that to happen. So, uh, we had a good question from somebody, um, <clears throat> from a competitor standpoint, do you like pull offs or floating finishes better? And then to the second part of that question is as an engine builder, <clears throat> um from that, that standpoint is it harder on the engine to go make two passes at 320 feet um assuming you're in a pull-off or just a single pass at 370 feet i love pull-offs because there is no survival of the fittest anymore in pulling and and the ppl schedule for example is absolutely not conducive to survival of the fittest you can run one time you get one shot, you go away for a day or two and you come back and you do it again. One shot. There's none of that. So there's some tractors that will run really hard one time and not be able to even think about coming back for the pull off and they end up winning. Well, that's not exciting to me. I want to do it over and over again. I want to, I want to go out there and be able to prove that I can run tonight and tomorrow night and the next night with minimal maintenance and still get to the end of the, the season. So I love the pull off. Um, I understand it's expensive. Uh, what part of pulling is not expensive? Um, 
I, I, you know, like, uh, and you learn a lot about a pull off that's different, you know, like at Bowling Green, pull off Bowling Green is the best thing in the world to me. Um, you never in your life think that Vaughn Bauer would go out there and lighten the sled up for the pull off. So it tricks you a little bit and thinking, how do I do this? You know, what do I do next to get better from the first run? Or is my stuff good enough to make it two runs and outlast the other guy? And, and so I enjoy that. Um, as far as a 370 versus a 300 foot pass, I don't know that there's much difference. The fuel tanks aren't really big enough to go any further than that. Um, it is hard on it. If it's dragging a long ways, then yeah, it's hard on it to run that far. But if it's a quick run, then it doesn't, you know, if it's 10 or 11 seconds, it really doesn't matter. So the damage or the, the expense is really measured more in uh, elapsed time than it is distance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Travis, you've never taken that advice a day in your life. Turning the boost down causes less motor work. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he, would actually, he would actually know that, though. Didn't if he, he make it the whole season without tearing the motor apart? Didn't I hear he did. that somewhere? Yeah, he I mean, did. That's pretty, uh, that's like that was the first time ever for a diesel. Yeah, when we had a, we had him on, didn't he say there was a point, guys, where he was like, every time he was just like, don't blow, don't blow, trying to, because mm-hmm. the diesel supers, I think he told, I think he said, and he can jump in the comments, um, there's like two, two chances for them to tear him down, Brent, throughout the season, mm-hmm. you know, where they have enough time and they just, and they try to do that from there. So, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why do we have so many? Why do we have so many classes? Why do we have so many different rules? Is, is it um, we did a pro stock power ranking last week with Charles, and then uh, Paul and I did a uh, well, not I, I just hosted it. Paul did the talking a 5 0 pro stock or outlaw pro stock versus a big pro stock, and I made some comments on there that wow, you know, maybe Doug Roberts was the one who had this figured out. And, you know, put these limits on these classes early on. And my phone literally blew up for 48 hours from people that said, no, 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 no. It's pulling association. And again, I'm not bus chucking anybody, but they said pulling associations do that to keep their pullers in because that's their form of income. And I, you know, I thought, because I love national rules, Brent. I love the 401 class because I can go pull anywhere, anywhere. And there's mm-hmm. a 401. Do you truly believe a pulling? And I don't know if we want to get into this with Brent. Uh, but this was <laughs> do you guys truly believe a polling association would do that to keep their members i mean to generate honestly, classes to generate income absolutely yeah. okay absolutely. so it's i am a, i am a, i am a naive i think i think i don't think i don't know about the outlaws because i don't deal with them a whole lot i mean you know but i can guarantee you that the ppl and ntpa are now and i know they're going to hate me for this they are membership generating machines that's it right they have Amen. to keep growing their business and yep. and membership and and sanctioning fee dollars that's how they run their business so regardless of whether the show goes on or, or is it successful or not that's how they make their money it's the simple fact right it doesn't it's not a negative thing it's just the way it is so that's um, why we see so many single turbo classes brent in your opinion then no, I think the part of that is that some, that all started because if a guy can't hack it in the pro stock, he thinks I want to build a super farm. If I can't hack it in the super farm, I need to build a limited pro. If I can't hack it in a limited pro, I want to build a light pro. And so they generate a lot of those classes got generated from guys that couldn't hack it in another class. A light pro come from a lot of super stock guys. 
and, and not say hack it, maybe it's a budget thing, but you know, there's this constant stepping down out of a class. And now some of it's good because it does, you know, it does, there's a lot of demand out there for certain classes. I think there's too many classes. Now there's some classes that are better than others from a budget standpoint, you know, the five, 10 hot farm class is probably the best class in my opinion to get started in pulling with not a cheap class, but it's not, a hard thing to build for with, with big cubic inch and billet cranks and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, there's two factors that, you know, the fact that, that there's a lot of egos in tractor pulling and they think they can just jump to a class that if they build and start the rules, they can win. And then the other side is the, the, the membership and the, and the sanctioning body thing. So. Huh? Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I just always, Doug Roberts doesn't own the outlaws anymore, Brent. He owned it years ago, but he was always getting hammered on pull off and all these stuff for having all these. He really made the outlaws like, just like this, like nobody, you couldn't go pull with them and they couldn't really leave. And uh, yeah. And so I've had, you know, I've had people say, Oh, that was great. And then the one thing that really stuck with them was the five, the five O pro that's what um, some of the guys want us to call it, Paul, not the five inch, the five O pro. <laughs> and uh and, you know, I, I'm just trying to keep up with the psyche of it and having somebody like Brent, who, even though he's still young, he's seen he's seen more and, and, and done more than we'll ever dream of doing in the sport of truck and tractor pulling. And I just want to hear that. I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I really, when we, when we did that show, Paul, I literally had 17 phone calls from 17 different people, from people I never thought would call me. I'm like, oh, no, this is this and this is that. And I remember 1996. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I was, I was shocked at the amount of, uh, and I started thinking about it. It's been turning in my brain all weekend long. And I couldn't wait to get on with you guys here tonight to, uh, to knock that out. Um, but I, you know, I started thinking about it. I live in a town of 5,000 people. There's 17 churches in my town and they all believe in God. And it's because right. one, guy, one guy wanted to do a little bit different thing. And I kind of start thinking about pulling and that's the same thing. One guy wants a half inch on the turbo or this, and then they build these little islands. And then we wonder why the sport doesn't grow. Well, just think about it from, 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 from that side, but also from my side, um, you know, for your class, for example, for limited pro, they, they, you know, the customers get aggravated with us because we don't have enough parts on the shelf. Well, for an IH limited pro, there's an infinite amount of combinations for a 640 IH limited pro. You know, you get it. There's multiple cylinder heads. There's multiple crank strokes and rod lengths and 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 you know deck plate, no deck plate, and you know Jesus. Well, how am I supposed to stock all that stuff? <laughs> and then you got then that's just an international, right? Then you got then you got uh, the John Deere's and the Molines and the cases and what blah, blah blah. You know, and then you got classes that are five ten. Some are five twenty five. Some are five thirty one. Some are five hundred four and four seventy and four three. You know my God, <laughs> there's, you can't do it all. So, um, yeah, it, it is definitely aggravating from our side to keep seeing more classes go out to, to keep building more classes. But on the other hand, you don't want to go to a place where there's 52 super farm tractors either. Yep. No, no. And I was the biggest proponent of trying to get our class on the grand national. And now that it's not on, I'm glad it didn't make it because I'm my biggest own um, critic on that. I know Pinkner, I know Yarn just looked up, but it's not meant. I want Grand National and Champions Tour and Big Outlaw Super Nationals to be the highest level of every class. Pro Stocks, Diesel Supers, Unlimited Supers, Big Mods, Big Four Wheelers, Big Two Wheelers, and that's it. 
And because uh, the fan, I think it's so watered down across a poll. You know, I mean, we you say, oh, this is a this. It's a national poll, and there's only one or two national classes. And I get it from a marketing standpoint, but to see the best of the best, and that's where that's where the Bowling Greens, you know, well, it's that's what's cool about it. So I think I think pulling in in in, and I guess I see it here in in Ohio uh, is oversaturated. And you know, with within, and I don't go, but you know, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, any given night in July and August, you can go to a tractor pull, a state pull or, or a region two or something like that. Well, you know, then there's for recovery, then there's Bowling Green and there's, there's Canfield and, and my goodness, there's, there's a, a large pull really close proximity there. And if you don't have a separation, you're not going to draw that audience to see the, the bigger, better stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, why would they go if they can see it? three nights oh, yeah. a week down the road. Right. So, so Brent, you said, you mentioned earlier, we were kind of talking about Europe versus here. Do you think that might be a little bit of the draw in Europe because maybe they don't have as many polls, big polls like that? There's not as many polls. Um, <laughs> European polling is a little different. Like, like it's more about a party than it is about a tractor pull. And I think that what we discussed this today, I was actually on the phone with Bill Humphrey today for about an hour and he was just kind of catching up on some things. And and he said, well, I've been sitting back watching from afar rather than being in the middle of all the polling stuff and seeing what's happening. And, and you know, we said, uh, if you go to a tractor pull, no matter where you're at, if you're at Bowling Green or if you're in, in, in you know, Hamilton, Ohio, um, 10% of the people sitting in the stands are actually pulling fans. The other 90% are there to be entertained. And so if you can tap into that, you, you, you hit something. They don't, they don't necessarily care what's under the hood or who the driver is and all that. They want to see the excitement of it and they're happy to see it. But the Europeans have hit, you know, they sell beer at every event. Whether you drink or you don't, they sell lots of beer. They sell it cheap. They have a party at the end of the night. Um, and, and that draws so many people to that deal. Um, it's just a stark difference to the way it is here, you know, and, and, but they realize it is strictly to entertain people. No, you're spot on. And I've seen it. We see it in the videos. I mean, hell they have freaking DJs and discos going till four or five in the morning. Some of that stuff. So. No, I've never partaken in any of that stuff. No, but. we know. We know. No, no, no. No. Rob Trowbridge said you're supposed to build more shelves, Payne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colton Bartelt, uh, you we're most po- popular product at GMS that you sell the most of. Good question, Colt. Man, billet differentials now. <laughs> Golly, I mean, we sell billet differentials, which is almost the same exact product internally. We sell them to <laughs> just about every unlimited modified, four engine modified, you know, some two-wheel drives and, and pro stocks and super stocks and light supers and you know blah blah blah. They're, 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 we we even retrofit them for 40, 10, 40, 20 John Deere's and for um, internationals and so yeah. I mean that that's that is the the most popular product right that, that we have now. Got it. Because those billet differentials are really good about breaking right there where that bearing attaches 
on the on the original stuff, not on the building. On the original, that's, that's correct. The original yep, yep. The cast so, ones, and the, they'll uh, still run like that. They just pull hard one way. Right. That, and then the uh, the the factory ones have you know like backside and you know, modify them by putting a bronze washer, you know, yep. in there and kind of a better cross and all that stuff. But there is nothing anymore. Uh, that can really sustain that without having something good quality in there for a rear end. Very true. Very true. Then the same guts. I mean, you know, Chuck Knapp's unlimited modified tractor, the same spider gear cross assembly is what we put in, you know, unlimited pro IH. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, uh, that's the, the quality of that. So. Yep. They're, they're very, very stout carriers. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the most popular thing. I mean, we do a lot of um, um, Mercedes planetaries for the light super stocks. We do, um, uh, you know, piston and sleeve kits is, is the most popular engine stuff. We do some some aftermarket castings with wipeout, uh, a couple different types of cylinder heads we do there. Um, but we're doing, you know, a fair amount of like we call private label stuff that other shops will have us do for them. I can't really talk about I, I know that when I used to make butter for my uh, family's butter company, Brent, there was like, I could take you guys into a grocery store, but be like 60 different brands of butter and it's made by three different people. So I understand privately. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll read that. Yeah. And this, we, we do struggle with, with our advertising. Hence is why I've hired the, the best in the business here to help me with my, my lack hey. thereof advertising. We're going to, um, we're going to, we're going to make you famous, Brent Payne, one way or the other. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's a lot of people that still don't know that I bought Humco five, almost five years ago. Been a while. There's they're still calling Bill Humphrey and, and for for help, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm 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 done." Call Brent. <laughs> so, All that Brent um, but I still talk to him for advice. You know, I guess I talked to him today, and um, but uh, you know, so we need to get that out there to to kind of combat. There, there's there's a fair amount of copycatting out there in the world, and uh, we need to combat that for sure. It's we got too much time and effort and, and money into these projects to to have it stolen. Um, you know, the Chinese aren't the only ones stealing things. So sometimes there's a guy in his backyard with a with a CNC mill that, that that's got all the answers. So, <laughs> yep. All right, is it time for Roos's question? Yes, I, like we might already, I think we might well, have already answered this. So you did who who you're scared of, right? You did that already. Who you respect the most, right? Yep. Most feared. Because yep. we're adding that to our arsenal. And he said Terry Blackburn. He didn't even blink. So no. <laughs> All right, man. So if you're stealing the keys and you don't have to pay the bill, what are you taking the keys to to go pulling? Where are you pulling it and why? Oh man. Past or present. Yeah, past or present. We'll add that to make your ears smoke a little more. Vehicle. Hmm. <laughs> past. I'm gonna say Steve Jasky's Meister Brown. Wow. Pulling in. That's awesome. You know, and didn't I, see that one coming. Something like that. Nor did so, I. Good for um, you, sir. Uh, present. I'd like to drive Adam Bauer's tractor one time to see if I can get it to the end without something falling off of it. <laughs> Not picking on Adam, but he, you know, that thing's awesome. I, I, the tractor really runs hard, but they work on it a lot. 
Very true. Would you do it if push came to shove? If somebody offered me? If I can convince Adam to do it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Better bring your fire suit. <laughs> I'm trying to find some old pictures of Meister Brown. They're all 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 I'm finding is eBay uh, replicas that you can buy kits and stuff. Is that three Chevys stacked? The Aries. Aries, okay. Yeah. Hmm. No, I'm excited, Brent. We're gonna come out and get some video with you. I really want to go into like multi-turbo setups and how this works and how that works a lot of how things work series that I'm, ex I'm excited about that at GMS. So thank you. And, and let me just preface that statement from Jason to tell you that he really doesn't know shit about <laughs> motors. So <laughs> the, the more, can, the more you can dumb it down, the better off he'll be. <laughs> I have, uh, no, I don't. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever shied away from it. Though, have I? I've always owned it. No, 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 no. Well, I think that's uh, that's kind of been, you know, ever since we were, I was young, you know, asking questions. I mean, I remember, I remember seeing, uh, I mean, and I'm not, I guess I'll use his name because it's kind of a guy that I was trying to look up to, but I, I watched Brent Long take the photo out of somebody's, the film out of somebody's camera for taking a picture to pull one time. Yep. <clears throat> you know, to, to cover your stuff up and not let anybody see it, it's asinine because if you're smart enough to take a picture of something and copy it and make it perfectly better than what I've got. You're way smarter than I am. So, so, so I like, we like, you know, we go to Louisville, we put the hoods up, everybody comes around. You know, it's funny, like Adam Spiegelberg, he, he's at our tractor all the time, walking around, looking at stuff, asking questions. I've never seen under the hood of his tractor. He's not allowed to have it up. So, um, <laughs> and, and it's just, I don't know. I, I just, it's just different about the way we approach it. Um, we keep it clean and simple and, and the, the devil's in the details. And I like to show that off. So, um, you know, just a different philosophy we have. Are your kids into pulling? Do they dig it, Brent, like you do? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we started, I bought them a garden tractor a couple of years ago, and, and uh, now they have six. And uh, wow. they're, they're Can trying you to. Can you imagine? We should get like Lustig's kids and Payne's kids and have <laughs> Blackburn's grandkids and. It, it's something else there i know absolutely help them with procedures right so they're doing really well they, they build their own engines they do their own service work all i do is transform them back and forth they've even paid their own bills so you know they're they're learning a whole lot about the sport they have a goal to sell all those things and build a limited light super here in the next couple of years so we'll see how that all goes you ever build one of those before uh, yeah, yeah, we built a few of those things, and engine-wise, yeah. You weren't kidding. Your seat time is very limited. <laughs> this is from 2019 off your Facebook page, Brent. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where this is. That's in Goshen, Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Someday I'm going to stand in front of one of them winter circles. They're going to talk to me on the TV, too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> you can do it, Jason. Yep. You can do it. Yeah, you'll get So, there. Brent, tip your hand just a tiny little bit. Will it be wearing uh, uh, AC sheet metal or deer sheet metal? The one that you're kind of working on inside. No, it it'll have it'll have uh, it'll have galat colors on it. Yeah. Nice. Old school, new school. I don't know yet. <laughs> 
we're still we're still debating, but yeah. You know, Alice did have it did have things that were green at one point in time. You could get away with that color of money green. They could. That was really close um, to that color, yeah. Mm-hmm. It actually is real close to it. Mm-hmm. And that looked really, really good on a 210 or 220 or a D21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it depends on how, how serious Earl Wells is about wanting to acquire this new light tractor. So if we get to the point where we got to put a hood on it, it's going to be his decision if that's the way it goes. Right, so. right. What's one thing that people don't know about Brent Payne? Hmm. Man. Uh, probably a lot of things, but <laughs> yeah, nothing that'll put you in jail or anything. <laughs> like adult favorite... beverage of choice. Yeah, okay. there we go. Let's do <laughs> oh, uh, pretty much any any bourbon that's over you know Uh-oh. fifty dollars a bottle. All so, right, so we're just gonna leave the chat now. Uh, yeah, Brent, you guys can on. just you guys can see your. Bruce, where'd your face go? Here, I'll give you. I'll give there you one, right. one minute alone with Brent Payne to talk about bourbon. <laughs> what's What's the best thing you've had recently? And and I will tell you, in this cup, old granddad bonded, bottled and uh, bond. Well, I had to psych myself up with some angels envy before I got on camera. So, that <laughs> boy, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise if you get back out here to Rockwell. I'll make sure that I bring something tasty along to pour. Sounds you good. And me and, you and me and Charles will have a good uh, – yeah. well, last time I drank bourbon with Charles at Rockwell, it was uh, – I think it was Eagle Rare. Yeah, so, that's a good one too. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, bourbon, that, that's definitely my jam. Sorry, Brent. As soon as you said bourbon, I knew I knew we were all <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I knew we were all class, so – um, so Brent, moving forward with GMS, what do you want people to know about you and GMS? Huh, that we, um, we go through every day with the intent to produce the highest quality possible. Sometimes we fail. Uh, we often fail, but we always strive to do better. We continue to innovate and improve, whether it be in material or tooling or procedures or whatever, uh, and try to keep the price at a reasonable level. Um, We are going to slim down on some of our product offerings and 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 the attempt to make to keep more of the most demanded things on the shelf. So, uh, and we also, uh, you know, like if you kind of look at our new website there, you pull it up there. Um, I really, really, really want to do some more consulting things where, uh, we offer our expertise in, in what we've learned in pulling to people that have a day job that, that want to go pulling and be successful, but, you know, work on a, uh, you know, drive a dump truck or own a heating and air company or or farm or whatever that might be that isn't an expert in their field. That's an expert in their field, but they want to become better at what they don't know about. And I want to help them with that. So, um, you know, moving forward, I, you know, again, that's the lack there of providing horsepower and, and providing more knowledge as well.
Did we lose Brett? No, he's still there, I think. Okay. Did we lose his internet, maybe? Could things, be were going, things were going he's, good. He's kind of froze right now. He's turned yeah. sideways, and he's frozen. Mm. His phone fall over? I don't know. Well, while we're waiting on Brent to join back up, one thing that he brought up that is very, very important, doesn't matter if you're working with Brent or you're working with anyone else, if you have a part that fails on your tractor, doesn't matter if it, where you got it, call whoever you got it from and ask them if they want to see it because Brent can learn so much. Him and his guys can learn a lot if it's, if it's their part or if it's somebody else's part and you want them to take a look at it and say, hey, this part failed, can you do something better? Take them the broken part. They can look at it. They can see if there's anything that they can do to improve it. And that's when he was talking about that consulting thing. You know, there's a, there's a need for stuff like that. And it's just like he said, you make parts. Pulling is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And if they can help you find that part or any builder for that, you know, if you have your builder, get them those broken parts. They can learn a lot from looking at those. You've learned it, right? Yep. They're in, they're they're absolutely invaluable to your business. They it's amazing what you can learn and there's stuff that you think that will be no big deal that will kick your ass and you just keep you keep going back and forth at it. So, back. Yeah. Back. I caught okay. all that, but I guess one thing I want to add is that you know, one of the most frustrating things about being in the in the seat we're at is uh <clears throat> You know, I get out of bed at, at 5.30 every morning, go to work. I'm there at 6, 6.30. I do it for 12 hours a day. And I still get constant questions of why you do it that way. You know, from somebody that owns no machinery. And, you know, we do it that way because we have lots and lots of data and experience to tell us to do it a certain way. And so, you know, we make the best decision we know how. It may not be the best decision from here on forward, but... We make the best one we know for the time and the information we have at hand. So, um, you know, if you don't trust our work, don't call. Plain and simple. Um, you know, if, if, if you look at the, the research and do your research and, and all that and don't just, you know, buy because uh, so-and-so said it was the best, you know, your competitor is not always going to tell you the best answer. You know, do your research and ask questions. Call and ask me. I'll tell you if it's right for you or not. I've told people to call somebody else many times because we don't have the right fit for them. So, um, and, but hopefully we can help as many people as we can. Love it. Love it, love it. Love it. Brent, this has been awesome. Thank you for your transparency and honesty. We need more of that in, in the sport, and you've earned it. And um, it's pretty cool to hear you talk. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to help. We are here to have some fun. So do you guys have anything else for Brent? Or should we let him on with his merry way? It's 1030. He's got to get up and go to work in the morning. True. He's probably still at the shop. He's probably sitting in front of him. No, 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 no. I, 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 I'm pretty well at, by seven o'clock. I'm done with that. <laughs> so yeah, 12 hours is more than enough. So. True story. Mm -hmm. Well, Brent Payne, on behalf of all of us, the whole pulling world, thank you for all the fun. The fun rides, uh, the competition, the honesty, everything. And obviously, we want this to continue. I'm not killing you off tonight or anything like that. But everything from from now and or from the past until now, thank you. It's it's always a joy watching you drive and 
see the Galat tractors. I don't remember the color of money that well. A little bit I do early 2000s from Toma and stuff like that. But I did the Galat tractors and what you do. And a lot of your parts are in the remedy. And thank you very much. So, Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate all you do for us. We're trying. We're trying. It yep. makes it easy. When Looking we have forward awesome to more. Guests. So it's, it's easy when we have awesome guests like you on the show. So you have a great <laughs> night. Yeah, you guys as well. Right. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. I did the right thing, didn't I, by silence and Brent and uh, uh, myself and Paul, right, when he talked about bourbon? Well, so, you know, he was talking earlier about that whole super stock diesel versus unlimited and how he wouldn't want to drive the diesel super. Yeah. And he said bourbon. I'm like, there you go. There's your answer. He don't, <laughs> burn, he don't, he don't like to – well, I say he likes to burn it and drink it. Diesel yeah. guys just like to drink it. Yep. No, there's something. There's something to that. That was an um, that was an amazing interview, guys. That was fun. Well, well done. Thank you, Paul and Ryan and Brett for the questions. Because I like to go love go searching for old videos and pictures and stuff like that. Especially you guys like to get all nerded out with good technical questions. So, but yeah, I mean, Wyatt Schulte says awesome interview. Thanks, Brent. Shane Hunt well, says thanks, Brent. It's Jason just Wilson. like it's just like you were saying. You know, Brent and guys like Brent in the. In the in the biz, as they say, yeah. he doesn't have to be as transparent as he was. And, you know, we all upfront and honest with the, the viewers. We asked him before the, the show started, said, is there anything that's off limits? And he said, absolutely not. You yeah, asked, like, are you sure? <laughs> yep. and we're, yeah, we said, are you sure about that? And he he was he was totally, totally cool with it. And he said, now I might might not give you an answer, but he said, I will not not talk about something. And that's and that's how Damn he is too. Yeah. You catch him in the pits at one of the poles that he's at, and he'll be the same way. That's got talked to him a couple times this summer, and yeah, he was open and transparent about anything you asked him. So that's mm -hmm. you know some of the questions I had asked, I already knew the answers to, but a lot of people may have not known. So yeah, and there's it's some uh, top notch shit that comes out of his shop. Yeah. Well, damn! Standard. Now I wish I had asked number the question number twelve that I hadn't written down but i had it in my head there was a uh, and he referenced it um he said ryan seems to catch me in these horrible moments and i did i caught him in 2019 or 2018 at the farm show where he made kind of a kind of half-ass pass um he got real high up in the front and he, he slammed the, the tractor down and as he's coming off the track, he had the weirdest grin on his face, and I happened to catch it, and I posted it. You can go look for the, the photo. It's there. You know I'm looking and, right now. What's your, what year? It's either 18 or 19. I can't remember. What. Just go to Brent Payne's. Go to his Facebook page. Okay. And then go to look at the look at the photos of Brent. You'll see one from the farm show okay. where he's got this kind of funny grin on his face. And then read the uh, read the comments. It's because uh, I really wanted to ask him because he said I may have learned a few things that pass, and then he just went quiet. He didn't say two words. I've always wanted to know what he learned. I'm a hunter. Well, it's funny because we just expect these guys to be perfect every single night. Well, we do. I do. There's certain competitors, certain names. I just, I expect it just to be out there top three or win every night. And he's one of those names, you know, when they get on the tractor and when they don't, you know, we don't know if they were trying something, you know, like you said, Ryan, 
So. Yep. Okay, I found a bunch of your Louisville photos. I haven't found a picture of him smiling yet. Look on his face. You'll know it when you see it. <sighs> la, 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 la. That might have actually been the first interaction I ever had with Brent. Well, this show just got great. Sorry. <laughs> I, okay, I'm getting close. Oh, Photographer shit. problems. We post a lot of stuff. Relax, I got it. You guys are being dicks. Well, that's normal, but you're being... We're good at it. Uh, share screen. Bingo. There we go. <laughs> Uh, he was watching in the in the in the green room for a little bit, but I, he's gone now. Otherwise, I'd bring him back on. So no, the comments. Yeah, that's that was the pass. Um, the comments in that that next photo where he's smiling. Yep. Those are the those are kind of uh, crap. Maybe it's the other photo. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Brent Brain, laugh out loud. My original unrealistic dream was to become a professional tractor puller. I have never been so excited to crash in my life. Newly found power over exceeded our setup expectations. Thanks for the pick. It's a bird. It's a plane. No. That hurt <laughs> even up in the stands. Thanks for the show. Yeah, this is fun. Cleared for takeoff. Yeah, but like he's like, that's what that smile is like. Um, This had more paponies than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> Now go back, flip three, flip forward a couple there. That's cool. How many of you oh, yeah. who are watching knew that Alice Chalmers used to be Hunter Green? Not I. And that color is very close to the color of money. Kevin James, I had a picture of a tractor that Brent picked to drive, but don't know how to post it in the live comments. Maybe it's not possible. Message it to me on the Facebook, Kevin. And messenger, Jason Schultz, or to Brent, or to Paul, or to Roos. So, axe throwing. I feel like I just talked about that with somebody. And I good stuff. I want to do that. It's fun. It's a blast. Okay, so I want to talk about me. Am I? This wow. thing. <laughs> yeah. so, last week, Charles did the power rankings. We had a blast. Mini rods are up next. Wyatt Schulte has that queued up. I got to get Tyler Slaw nailed down and Charles nailed down to do that mini rod show. And Brent, you wanted to help with the minis, right? Yeah, maybe. maybe. I'm available. It depends if I'm doing a Della upload that night or whatever. Yeah. Um. So then Paul and I did the pro stock thing, guys. The the pro stock guys want to be five zero, okay? Not five inch, five zero. So we got to brand that for them. I've been asked to do that. So a lot of people called me and said, and they just did it. Bus Chuck Doug Roberts. Uh, but they said, you guys, Jason, you're naive. You're completely naive. They're doing this to keep the church and the congregation, you know, their members in the congregation because that's our, that's our profit center. I just, and it really, that's really bugging me. It's really, really, really bugging me. <laughs> it really is. And I don't know why. Maybe I, I guess I, you know, I think about it. It makes sense. 
you know, because when you look at revenue streams for polling associations, memberships is the big thing. And that's always the big joke with the NTPA. And I'm not hammering on them because they didn't put the Grand National Four Ones in. I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm not sad. I'm not glad. I'm not blue. Whatever. All I'm saying is that's always, and even Randall said that with us that night, remember? On the show, he's like, everybody accuses us of just adding a class because we're just trying to get more membership. But does do, but that's where the difference is, guys. Grand National Polling or Champions Tour or Outlaw Super National, where you can, the classes fit, or do you, you know, do you have your state level associations that have different rules? You know, a lot of guys don't want to go pull on it somewhere else. They want to stay in their own sandbox. But some guys like to get out and play a little bit. I don't know. That's just, I really wanted to pick your guys' brain a little bit tonight on that. That's my one one big thing, if you will, that I really wanted to ask you guys tonight. I mean, do they sit well, in the back and go, we're going to keep our five? And it started with, why doesn't, why didn't the NTPA adapt the damn box charger rule for the five O's? That's where it started from. You know, why did they allow a different turbo? Because here we go again, you know, vroom. So I don't know. That's just my thought. So. And you guys. Do you want our thoughts on why it happened that way? Yeah, or, yeah, or, that or, or do you truly believe that polling associations sit in the back room? You think the NTPA and the PPL and the outlaws sit in the back room and go, we're going to make our rules just so the guys can't go and the guys and gals can't pull anywhere else. Do you truly believe that? Well, you okay. won't, I don't think you'll see that. I mean, most of them are close enough where guys can go and pull in different places. Um, it may not be an exact deal, but I mean, I know most places, if you have a group of guys that want to pull, they're going to try to adapt them into a class that they can, they can already, that you can't have, I mean, we've been through this in the state association here. You can't just create a class because you get a group of guys that want to come. You get that, it's that watered down effect. But in the case of the pro stocks, it's a hundred percent the cost of a full blown pro stock. They are so expensive to run. And you know, if you're, if you're going to jump into that class, man, hats off to you. But the, the five inch pro, sorry, the five Oh pro. Thank you. Is it's a way to essentially get the same ride and not have near the, the maintenance that is a hundred percent what it is. Those those five O pros will live, and not that it's not that a full blown pro won't live. But I mean, you know, if you're going to run on Champions Tour or Grand National, you're gonna you're gonna have to run it on kill if you want to win. I mean, yeah, there's can you make up some of that with setup? Absolutely, but those top guys, you know, you've got to be right there with them, and they're not cutting corners. And it's not, they're not bringing it back, you know, a little bit. They're running on, they're running on kill, as they say. Um, and when they, when they're able to make them live, that that's what makes it great. But man, if they, if they don't live, it's, it's rough. It is rough. I mean, not only is it time and, and expense, but man, you got to have the parts to, to, to do that. And you can, you can build this badass pro stock, full blown, biggest charger, Base intercooler, everything you want, newest, latest, greatest, and you can burn it down in one pass. It's not hard to do. A 5.0 Pro, you can make them live, and you can be competitive. And there's a lot of guys that are, are not wanting to do that pro stock, that big pro stock game anymore. It's just getting to be too much. 
and I don't blame them. You, you pull where your budget allows and where you, you know, how much you want to do. Where, where do you just say, then you just, you don't get to be a pro stock then like to Brent Payne's idea. Where do you just say, well, okay, these are the classes we have. And why do we keep adding more classes? Well, but you look at, look at a, so for the longest time, the different, there was, there was, well, for the last how many years, there's been three classes. You have four, one limited pro, which is your pro stock of the nineties, as they say. Yep. They added light pros in there. Light pros will make just as much horsepower, if not more than a, than a limited pro. And then there's pro stock. Yeah. There's diesel supers in there, but if you're talking single charger classes, that's what you're looking at. This is a, another step in between. It's a big step up from a, from a four, one, a bigger step up from a light pro, but if a guy has a pro stock that's component and that's the other big outlier here is ag chassis versus component. The guy has a, a pro component pro stock and he doesn't want to run that pro stock game. Bring it down to a five Oh, you, you really don't have to change anything. Motor setup wise, you put a smaller charger on, pull your cooler off and you're ready to go play. But it's, but it's a state, it's a, it's a region or it's a state level class agreed. And that's where it needs to be. Yeah, there because needs to be more separation between the state and region level classes and the Grand National classes. You can't have state, region, and Grand National all, you know, have six classes that you can run all three levels with. There needs to be more separation, on... and that's where kind of where Brent Payne was coming from, was you can go to your county fair and see Grand National, you know, caliber classes there and not have to travel to a Grand National event. So I think that's something that, you know, needs to be, and again, it's but, it's a you know crap shooting itself just because obviously then <clears throat> you know your region classes are your county oh, fairs well, are. I mean, and Adam, well, Adam, and Adam, guys want to run nationally but don't want to build national. That was me. That was me. I wanted I want to go to Chapel Hill and Bowling Green and Fort yes. Recovery. And I do. I do. But I mean, we get to go to Toma. We get to go to Toma. We got to go to Hutch this year. But and, and experience in that maybe we'll do. But I realize I'm glad four ones didn't get on. I'm glad. But but because here's that just the thing: the water even more. Here's the thing too: pro stock, full blown pro stock guys. Say you're champ tour. They usually run 17, 18 hooks a summer. They don't want to run any more than that. That's they're having to run them on kill so much. You you cannot. I mean, if there's a lot of promoters out there that would book a champions tour class and add another session of them but they can't do that because they will not have a class at the end of the year. And I, I have a hard time with the regional versus national debate because I don't consider, you know, we say, well, you know, they're not, they're not on a grand national level to me. An outlaw is, I mean, there's three big organizations out there. Yeah. It's, it's NTPA and a region to say that a, a five O pro is a regional level class kind of slights the the outlaws because they were the ones that were ahead of the curve on all this deal. And I will say it right now on the show and I'll live and die by it. NTPA not going to a box charger rule is going to, it's going to kill this class. It's going yes. to do the same thing that the pro stock is going to, they've <coughs> got to do the same box charger rule to keep this class where it's at because it's going to turn into another pro stock class. And I yep. think if it's a huge mistake that NTPA does not go box charger rule. If you're going to actually set the class up and they said that they said from the get go, we're going to run this as an experiment. This is where you then, do it. Then set the damn thing up for success. 
not yes. failure. Mm-hmm. Yes. The outlaws, the outlaws have proven that it works. It mm-hmm. works. It's because it's Brent, not just one year. It's not just two years. It's six or seven years now. They've done amazing with it. And they sound amazing. Paul, when we did our uh, show the other day, we brought some of Richard Warren's up mm-hmm. and Meddings and, you know, the Hillbilly Binder bracket and those guys. Um, yes. Yeah. So, and we've got a comment on here. It says box charger would give manufacturer no. option. The no. problem with that is, is that you're going to get into the charger race. Just That's like everybody dope. else is in. What you do is if you're going to do a box charger rule, you say, okay, if it's Weimer, if it's Hearts, whoever, we're going to run your chargers for two years. And in that two years or three years or whatever, you run that. And then you let the class vote on, hey, do we want to step up in chargers or something like that? But you have to maintain that charger for a set amount of time. You can't just give them a wide open playbook because it's going to turn into the 4-1 class you know how many updates come out for a 4-1 charger in a summer yeah, uh, and if you're, that, yeah, if you're not running yeah if you're not running that yeah. you're going to be you know you're back a little bit they have to do it and they have to do it from the outset because it's damn near impossible to get the class to change after it's already established why not put in a little bit more restriction when the class starts and then be able to change it down the road with the input of the class. Oh, my God, this is like a crazy idea. <laughs> but let's put some restrictions up front because, you know, you start spinning these chargers, these five-inch chargers. I mean, if, you, if you've not seen this class run, they run hard. You spin these chargers faster and faster. Guess what? You know, you start tweaking it and you start making things. Well, what's going to happen? We're going to pop a charger. It's not a six or whatever charger. It's a 5.0 charger, but it's going to pop just like a 6.0 or 6.2 or whatever they are now. You have to set it up from the get-go. And Greg Randall, if you're listening, I implore you to consider doing the box charger rule because this class could be huge. There's so many guys that could jump up from a 4.1 and jump down from a full pro. You have got to put this rule in place. And you can always take it out later, but it is harder than hell to get a new rule put in once the class Two years, and then and Marv and Marv Epperson, if you're listening, we'd implore you too. Oh yeah, that's the guy. By the way, can, uh, by the way, welcome to the NTPA as as technical services director. Um, and I had three pullers call me and say they want a tire rule, like you just say whole <laughs> shot twelve plies for two years. I'm just telling you what the guys are saying because okay, the five O class was put in for guys that don't want to go all the way to pro stock, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if like if you do like you're saying, Paul, if you open up that turbo rule, it's just a, it's just a it's another four one, and you're right. It's a race to it's a race to the bottom. Two mm-hmm. or three years ago, component is the main way to go in that class. Absolutely, Shane. Absolutely, and we all need to go that way. <laughs> Let's just be real. I'm just missing <laughs> a lot, a lot of money in an egg chassis. We all do yeah. a lot. So, yeah. But I mean, there's. There's different there's different things that can be considered on that. But I mean, as far as from a from a get go on the class, you know, I think the box charger is an absolute must. I think a tire rule is probably a good way to go. But it's exactly like he Moose said here. The higher ups on the boards need to listen to the people. Just, you know, we've got to we've got to keep that class in check because it's quite honestly if they keep going like they are, you're going to pull up to a pole and you're going to see 10, 12 pro stocks running across the country because nobody wants to really play in that game unless they're able to do so. And you have to make that jump. There's a huge jump from a 5.0 pro 
that you don't have to constantly be in that motor to a full-blown pro. I mean, I'll just throw it out there. You talk to RJ, you talk to Brandon, you talk to Masterson, you talk to all those guys that are running on those big stages smuckers. I guarantee you they are in those motors. They are checking them over all the time because it is a function of the class. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and this is another good point. This is another good point right here. I don't know who this Facebook user is, but but that is something that I think a lot of the polling associations and you know state levels and national associations that there's a lot of old guys that are stuck in their ways. You know, a lot of the people that have been in the sport for 30, 40, you know, plus years that they 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 aren't they don't like change or they don't they don't want to see the see that change and um and i think that's something that needs you know and i don't know the best way to go about it to you know convince them and change their mind or if it's just you know a matter of just over time just gotta you know vote them up out and get that fresh blood in there that's you know wants to put the best rules and put the best you know minds together to you know, make polling the best that it can be because there is a lot. There is a lot of good ideas that are out there, but people just don't want to listen. And it's um, happening. Welcome, welcome to tractor polling. We yeah. em- we wholeheartedly embrace technology from 1981. Um, I will say on that note right there is perfect segue, and I would like to congratulate our newest director in the ITPA, Mr. Eli Lisk. He is now Yay. on the board. Uh, he was voted in uh, here recently. We had a position open up, and Eli is now a Southern Zone director. boy, Well-deserved. Yep. Absolutely. And he's a, he's got a tractor being built. Some of you may not know that. He's I did working not on know a, that, and I saw he, him last weekend. He's working on a 6850 Pro Farm. You probably Good didn't want him. me to tell that, but too bad. <laughs> You work for me now. <laughs> Paul, do we have to delete this show now? Yeah, probably. Nope. Nope. It's public knowledge. It was on the uh it was on the ITPA Facebook page. So it's out there. It's it's airborne. You can't take it back. This is all Jeremy. I don't is it Yance? Yantes or Yance? I'm sorry. I'm butchering his name, his last name. But he's he's commenting on our truck and tractor pulling Facebook. And he's okay. he's got a very good point. He does have a very good point. Yeah. The, the charger rule is a lot easier to um, police, I guess you could say. I mean, well, yeah. The, the guys that called me the tire rule guys who just said, we don't care, just 12-ply whole shot, for example. We don't care how many lugs you put on it, whatever. It's just you have to run this tire. Yes. So then I get well, and a lot of it, let's be honest, a lot of it has to do with the Metos tires coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of been a game changer. Before that, it was 12-plies to 14-plies. Well, it was um, those damn Indian parks for us. And in my and yes, that was that was another one that came in there. But the this really kicked into gear uh, with the Metos tires because they come in way different than what um, any of the other tires do. So it is it's it that that is one big thing that these associations have to do is they have to figure out how they're going to police that. Yantes, 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 Yantes. I'm practicing how to say his name, guys. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. No. <clears throat> but yeah, that's the whole yeah. tire, man. That thing is the last three years it has just erupted into a it, it is like the turbo technology, you know. The, yes. It's 
honestly, it's escalating just as quickly as as the you know those turbochargers and yeah, tire game is just it's out of this. Well, world you right think now. about it; it wasn't even a year ago when, of course, we knew that the Mitos tires, the twenty four fives, were coming. The 30.5s have been out there for years. Yeah, <clears throat> the twenty four fives came at the truck show. Mm-hmm. Peter yep. and uh, Rob Russell. Rob. Rob Russell. And, uh, you know, that was that's was not even a year ago. And yeah. this summer, what have you heard on tires? Mitos. And you've seen them in more than one class. You've well, Andy was, all, um, Andy was all wound up the other night on Charles Power Ranking. And he said, once Masterson's figured out the Mitos, you know, that was the, the Grandview mm-hmm. Gangsters, all those mm-hmm. comments on there. I know Charles yeah. did some of that on purpose just to wind up Andy, to be honest. But, um, yeah. Well, it's not hard. Oh, to don't, 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 be so, be so, don't be so sure of that. We like to wind up Andy once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Winding up Andy is good for ratings. It mm-hmm. is. It keeps the, it keeps the people uh, jamming. So Brett was a really good guest tonight. We, we stayed over 150 to 200 consistently for live viewers yep. all night long. So that was good. And I, I really did enjoy his transparency and honesty. And like, and one of you guys mentioned it earlier. He is, he's earned the right to just say it is what it is, fellas. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think we need more of that. I don't know who wants, I mean, who wants to be on the board? The NTPA, the WPI, who's all on that WPI board? Who are the decision makers? I have no idea. Roger Weissong, Von Bauer is on there now. Uh, Scott Doty's on there now. Yep. Um, Like like these are some newer people getting on the arm? Yeah, there's two. uh, Well, Vaughn and Scott were voted on this last year. Cody <clears throat> is the flag guy at Louisville, right? The end, the end of the flag. Yep. Yes. Does Bowling Green? The Wolverine pull, uh, yep. Wolverine puller guy. Um. Yeah, I don't remember who's. Let me take a look. Um, Dale Kwame and George Everett, and or I'm going to ignore Moose's comment, but. Yes, he still has his hand in there. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's but, but yeah, you know, at least I think it's, you know, you know, Vaughn Bauer, I think it was a good person to have on the WPI board because he does, he is an innovator of the sport. And he, yep. I mean, you know, Adam is another one that they, they're always looking for the latest and greatest and trying to figure out, you know, <clears throat> how to kind of push the limits. And that's kind of what you need to do to, open up new ideas to try to make the sport just better and try to this is this comment on the screen guys i copied it and pasted it over from the group this is what jeremy yantis had said um we have forgotten why ntpa came into existence for a national unification of rules i told charles last week go sit on the rules meaning eye opening polling is right back where it was in 1968 with different rules everywhere with the the exception of a few classes like two-wheel drive and four one spot on I, I'm not a I am not a historian. I do not remember 1968 what was going on. Um, polling became real to me in the 90s, so I you know and it was a very very ECI regional you know level. You know I saw what I saw in the Polar Magazine and got to go to Toma. You know what I mean? That was my that was my life from a polling from a polling thing. So, um, but yeah, I don't know that comment guys really and I don't it just keeps beating in my brain that yeah they're doing it to keep their pullers in their and their membership i guess so mm-hmm. yeah you know because i would start thinking about like the outlaw super farms i've asked a lot of those guys they just wanted 
they don't care to go pulling anywhere else. They're fine with it. They're happy with the outlaws. They get their 25 hooks. And that's why well, they want you seven. Part of, that, part of that too is geography. I mean, yeah. logistically, guys that are running the outlaws, I mean, yeah, if they can go play in, in out east somewhere, they might take a week or two and go out there and play. But it's just, it's not realistic for them to go hook a region schedule, you know, out east somewhere. It, it's just not. There are very few people that can do that. I don't care what class it is. It's just take off and go pull somewhere else for the hell of it. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just um, I I'm so with you, Charles, on the box rule. All you guys on the box rule for the five zero. Um, just because it's it's meant to be a limited class, you know. And if they had a if they made us run a box charger, but like somebody said, you would just um. You're gonna go spend money somewhere else, but guys, there's there's guys putting billet cranks and antique tractors now. So don't tell me, you know what I mean. I, I always I just assumed antique was a starter class. It's not. It's guys who uh -oh. truly, truly are passionate about that that style of pulling, and they'll spend whatever it takes. So no matter what we do, you know, because Paul, you and I touched on this briefly. The NASCAR, you, the NASCARation, if you will, of you know of pulling, but maybe you know you still got to read the track, you still got to drive it. You still got to, you know, air pressure your tires. You got to weight it, pick your gear. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, yep. All right. Let's hey, talk about something fun. Uh, we got okay. something coming up here Friday. You want to talk something fun or you want to talk something controversial? You want to start some shit or what? It's 10 away. We can't get into it too heavy. All right. Well, get to the. Um, Get to the fun stuff. Then I want to talk about safety. Oh, yes. I know where that's going. Yeah, you know exactly where this is going. Um, we still have a lot of people watching, so let's talk good. about the championship. So, yes. So we have we had this harebrained idea to uh, do this tractor pull last year called the Pullers Championship. Um, we have been meeting about this. We, we had the first year, um, and... We're going to do it again this year, or in 2023, I should say. Track and holes hours, May the 19th and 20th. Friday, this coming Friday, we are going to release the classes. And the chain is asking a little tease of what's to come. At the end of last year, after it was all over, Brent put together a survey, and he sent it out. And he said, we, we wanted to know what we do right, what we do wrong. Who do you want to see next year? What classes do you need to be changed? Do you want us to change anything? Um, even all the way down to comments from pullers about, hey, we need more trash cans in the pits. We wanted to know every minute detail. So we've been talking about this. And this Friday, we're going to release the classes uh, that we're going to have at TPC 2023. So stay tuned to the Facebook page. Uh, Brent, I don't know when he's got that scheduled. I know he's got some pretty cool stuff planned for the actual reveal. And uh, we're going to see what we're going to do in May. So Shane, Shane, I will give you a teaser of what's to come. They're all going to have tires on them. <laughs> we have not gone to track classes yet. <clears throat> um, but to go off Paul saying, um, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. on Friday, Central Time. So there you go. The, there it is. That's the, that's the date. So just be on the uh, on the lookout for that. There's 
classes that we had last year that are back, and there's going to be new classes. So we'll leave it at that. Yes, really. They'll all have tires on them. Adam, you need to go to uh, Charles's website. You need to go and look for, or maybe just go out to YouTube and um, search for um, Chet Prince, Jet Set Revenge. And then you can nerd out and you can send me a text and tell me what you think. That guy was from my hometown. Um, and actually, for all of you watching, that's uh, it's kind of a cool throwback uh, all the way back through history. There were some guys who did some really cool stuff for exhibition pulls. But um, let's talk about safety and let's talk about morons who don't enforce it. <laughs> Jason, do it. I'm Go to Logan's sure. post. Go to Logan's post, okay. please. Well, Logan uh, Thomas? Yes. I I don't know what you guys are talking about. I really don't. Oh, you're going to love this. Oh, you, didn't, you haven't read pull-off lately. I haven't. Oh, I haven't either. So if somebody's brought it up on pull-off, then that's awesome. Uh, was this the turn? This that's thing? the yeah. one right there. Okay, so let's watch this. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. You can leave the there's sound no on. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. It so sounds you good. To, you want me to play it? Yeah, yeah please yeah. do. Please do. Bang! Now watch, watch the flag. The, watch the flag man's arm. Watch him picking shrapnel out of his freaking arm. Yeah. Because whoever is running tech for this organization, this is the Appalachian Outlaws, I will name names. I don't know who runs tech. I don't give a rat's ass. But if you're going to put your own people in harm's way, you need to hang it up. Go do you home. See the, do you see oh. the cable around the, the, the compressor housing? Yeah, I do. That's there. the only thing that it has, which yeah. is good, but that's not what it needs to be. Well, yeah. like you guys saw what happened to my tractor, and nothing came yep. out of that thing. There's right. some stuff. There's some stuff on the ground, but it did yeah. everything. I mean, we got the. I got all the stuff. We have to. I mean, it's you, the, the, you know? the one thing that 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 your tractor has, and that pretty well all other tractors and trucks in an association is. You see that little center section right there? That little spinny blade thing with all those the spinning really wheel nice of death spins. <laughs> When those things come apart, they go everywhere, and they're little, and they're metal, and boy, will they go through some stuff. Yeah. Somebody so, dropped the ball hard. Why? Shit, they weren't earth, even playing in the right game. Why on earth does, and this is one of those outlaw organizations, they run their own deal, they're, you know, they run a very limited schedule. You don't see a lot of those guys, I don't think, running with, you know, any of the bigger organizations, although I think some do. But where was your head letting an exposed charger sitting above the hood make a pass? How did you let that through tech? What is wrong with you? Yeah. And why didn't your insurance agent come and smack you in the face with a tire iron? And I hope they do. I hope the insurance agent is watching. God, that poor flag guy. Mm -hmm. 
to look yeah. at where he's picking that where he's picking that out. It's right here. It's right here. There's some there's some things in here that don't react well with sharp metal objects. But they're exactly. grenades, you guys. They're claymore mines. Well, and further, and and to go a little bit further, if you look at um, um, Colton Unger's video of this class on yeah. YouTube, um, there's a two-wheel drive guy who's in a T-bucket. This is like the run what you brung deal. And uh, Homeboy was on the throttle for at least three and a half seconds Um outside the chalk lines he damn near put a wheel over the jersey barrier he yeah, almost ran over the, the unhooker we I saw it at the beginning of the show ryan somebody sent that to me i got it right yeah, it on the beginning of the show it hung the sled up on the concrete barrier That's not the one. That's not. No, that wasn't it. Uh, I'll no. send you the full video. Two wheel drive. Be... It's a red T bucket. Oh, sorry, that was a two wheel. I'm drive sending you the video, and it's at one one oh five. Correct. When was this? Anybody know? Uh, not last, last this last weekend, but the weekend before. Yeah, that. the original was taken down that I shared. Here's a screen recorded copy, a real good, ex real good example. Sixty Logan, of why the shield in this place? Okay, what do you say? I appreciate the text message, but I don't care. Stupidity gets called out when it happens, where it happens. One oh five. Yeah. Yeah, there. There you go, right there. gets interesting hey just keep going right didn't see the line like zfg all the way and then the guy has the nerve to get online and start trying to defend his position when i called him out on it and this is not a case of me versus him <laughs> i've never met the guy i don't know if i ever will i i wouldn't recognize him if he came up and hit me in the face with the aforementioned tire iron i wouldn't see it coming Oh my but God. I will call out stupid where stupid is, and that guy is stupid. And he tries to defend himself saying, I've got 500 passes, I've got 30 years of experience. Yeah, you apparently didn't learn from any of it. Looking back to see if he took out the camera guy. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's also, as I, under, as I think I understand, I think that's the unhooker guy. That's a flagger, isn't it? No, no it wasn't the camera. flagger. The flagger was out of camera. Look how close that is, you guys. I know. How many times have we all said that we are one bad accident away from this sport never happening again? And it's douche canoes like this organization that get us closer and closer and closer. And I don't care if I catch the hell for this. I'm yeah, when, you, when you think that you know you're out of bounds when you're taking out two different cones? Yeah, I mean, geez. Right. I mean, we, you guys, you guys have all, we all know. I mean, Ryan, you've seen people's eyes when they're looking down at the lines. He knows. Very much so. He knows. 
He knows. Don't tell me and he, he doesn't. And if he doesn't see that, he shouldn't be driving a truck. And mm -hmm. he had the nerve to try and rationalize it. I know this um, truck. You've seen it a lot in Clint Tucker's wild ride DVDs. Imagine that. <laughs> um, the, homeboy had the nerve to try and rationalize it by saying, oh, it's a, uh, uh, I was in a points race. Really? Cross the white line, points are done. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If you cross the chalk, you ain't going to win a championship. I don't care. Yeah, no, it's over. Holy crap. So, yeah, I just, I, and I mean, and the guy, and, and the guy pull, uh, you know, says something to, because uh, I made the comment and asked what was up with that. Um, and it's all in Logan's thread in that post. Mm -hmm. If you ever, if you want to read it, you want to laugh and you want to. Yeah, I'm going to let people, I'm going to let people. Throw a little gas on the fire. You can go and look for it and do it. Go ahead. That's up to you. But um, homie had the nerve to talk about, um, call me a backseat driver. And I responded to him. I said, homie, if I was your backseat driver, I wouldn't have thought twice about pulling your kill switch. And you know what? F your motor. I don't care if I wreck it. Because if it's a choice between you wrecking my sled and squashing that guy's legs and me wrecking your motor, sorry, homie, you're going to have to save up for a new motor. And I won't think twice. And I think yeah. every sled operator in the country would back me up, except the backseat driver that was in that sled. Yeah. Safety is a thing, guys. If we're going to do this, let's at least try and set ourselves up for success and not act like douchebags and let everybody pull or, or you know, let something through tech or let this kind of crap happen just in the name of providing a good show or when it, you know, when he accidents happen. Oh, that's, the, well, that's pulling. No, it's that not. First, that's, that's stupidity. That guy was, was filming. He, that guy was filming you guys. Yes, he, yes, was, he was. But the guy, the guy that was the first cone that he hit, he yeah. watched that thing come off the front tire. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah, no, whatever. The driver should have definitely got out of it. Um. <laughs> and wow. and me and a handful of guys called him out on it. Wow. Kevin, I would encourage you to go find that thread and read it. It's um, highly educational. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Jason, I told you that I would call out stupidity when No, 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 I don't care. I don't care. This is um look at the look at what's in the, on the weight box. I'm I am coming for you. You know what? We are True coming words. for you. That's um yeah. calm calm your tits, Rue. You're getting starting to shut up, Gerbaugh. <laughs> you you've you've taught me too well. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry, Preach, brother Andy. Preach, brother Ooh. Andy. No, I, because I I have been that guy on the you know on the chalk line shooting. I try and you know I try and keep myself safe, but I can't keep the flagman safe. I can't keep that guy whatever the hell he's doing, and he probably <laughs> shouldn't have been out there with his phone. That was going to be my next comment. Is yeah, um, he was in the like wrong that, for doing He should that. not be there. See, yeah, that's one thing that PPL does a really good job of is Christy is very good with making sure that everyone's out of the way and that, yeah. I mean, it's, it needs to be taken seriously because, you know, Ruth yes. said it. It's going to take one accident to just shut everything down. Well, I hope exactly. every 
I hope every Poland association and promoter sees this video because we mm -hmm. do, we all, we all get too close. We all do. Um, and, and hookers and hookers and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from the sled operator point of view, that happens so fast. Uh, I've right. been there. Um, the driver clearly <laughs> no Fs were given. <laughs> right. And he still gives zero Fs to this very minute. He's yeah, probably typing a response right he's now. Looking, he's that, that shot you, right driver, there. Yeah, as a that driver. Shot right guy. there. That yep. guy is looking to see if he took out that guy filming. He's looking to see where that guy is. Yeah, maybe don't play the next second of that clip, though. Why? Because the dude guy with the phone laughing. just gives him the – he laughs and gives him the thumbs up. Oh, he's just happy he's alive. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, ish. I probably imagine would have if, walked over and found a tire iron. You imagine if that buckboard would have got him? Uh huh. It that buckboard don't give. No, He's going no. under that sled. Look at that! Look at that cone. It's just mangled. <laughs> oh, it's destroyed. Stupid. Oh just stupid. Yeah. So, Appalachian Outlaws, get it together. This is both of their. This happened at both of their deals. No, this no, was this in the same. Was... This was in the same class at the Listy Nationals. For real, for real. Well, well, gonna think twice about going sixty-eight fifty Pro Farm pulling there. <laughs> Just saying, he's never let out of it. <laughs> Not one iota. Look at that butterflies wide open. Wide open. Oh, better stop and check. Yep. Yeah. See how bad I just. So he had the forethought to know that he was putting that guy's life in danger. He just didn't give a shit. Sorry, but that makes you irresponsible. And if you were in any professional association, you'd have been unhooked. You'd have been shown the gate and told not to come back. Guarantee you, Wisconsin tractor pullers, PPL, oh. Tucker. They all would have done that. They would have thrown you out for at least a year, if not forever. And this is just plain irresponsible, having letting a charger stick in that far above the hood. Okay, I'm not a motor guy, Paul. Why? I mean, what's set up? I mean, tell me why that turbo's up like that. Why it's not down like because he thinks it looks cool. Well, no, because, because it doesn't it's, fit. It's, it's the easiest way to it's the easiest way to mount that charger. Yep. Get the stack coming straight out. He came off of the side of that V6 motor or that six cylinder motor, stuck it right up, stuck an exhaust manifold on there, and set a charger on top of it. So this is something that he's probably been doing all year, then, correct? Oh, oh this wasn't just a this. I mean, this yeah, truck this, is built. You can no, see no, underneath this, the he front built end. the truck like this. Because I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not something that he just did. This this has been like this for a while. Yeah, that's right. This and this is not a new problem. Ryan Pickard had the same problem when he had his first gen that he pulled with the uh, ECI and mid Iowa. There's a reason why they, they uh, there's a reason why they relocate those chargers on your super stock diesels and stuff like that to get them down under and get them shielded. Right, and Ryan Pickard, when he built his, his was a black first gen, looked a lot like this. Mm -hmm. um, he built the biggest, tallest, and Ryan, I love you, but that hood was so freaking ugly, it wasn't even funny. 
because it made, I mean, it came up a solid six inches to cover that charger because he wanted to build it safely. He didn't want to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and if you look right there, this picture right here, he's got a cable around the compressor cover. So yeah. a lot of times what you'll see him do is run blankets around there. That is to keep that charger in. The only problem is, is that that does not keep the wheel inside. And that's what he had happen here. He, he threw right. the wheel out of it. And he threw it through the guillotine. And was, well, when the wheel came off, it took the guillotine with it. Mm -hmm. the problem yeah, it is took the guillotine and the intake side out. The shaft speed on that. I mean, it's not uncommon to see 90,000 RPM, 100,000 RPMs on these chargers. I don't know how right. hard he's char he's turning that thing, but it's not going slow. No. No. So it's a miracle that the flag guy's arm didn't look like freaking hamburger. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Chad's amazing that guy hasn't. And, and as far as I know, because I called out the Appalachian Outlaws, I tagged them in that post, and I asked three questions. I said, one, has your flagman finally finished picking out the shrapnel out of his arm? Two, how did you let this happen? How did you let this guy through tech? And third, why on earth did dude in the tea bucket go hammer down for three and a half seconds or whatever? As far as I know, they haven't answered me yet. And I, I mean, quite frankly, I don't care if they answer me or not. They know what they did. They know that that was stupid. I didn't see any of this coming tonight. Yeah. Chad Stevenson, oh, I... your, comment, your comment is exactly right. Uh, don't we have some turbulence? Um, let's find some video. Yes, we do. We have, we have, uh, well, the Stummy Brothers, both of them. Yeah. And they were tagged immediately. Phil, no D. I'm oh, sorry, but yeah, I knew better than that. Thanks. Yeah, you did. Uh, you can look up. Uh, just look up my videos from like Monticello, Iowa. There you go. Shane, that's a very good question, and I do not know the answer. They'd have been there in 2019, right? Yeah, there would have been yep. three, I believe, there that year. Two or three, depending on both the Stoomies were there. Stoomies and, and uh, Mark, Mark Ham. Ham and... Yeah, well, what? Yeah. Lynn Stoomie. Right, there's one. There's one. That's Mark Ham. Mark J. Ham. Double stuff has turbo shrouded. Mark Ham, the imposter. Not going to be as loud this time, folks. Exhaust going up through the turbos instead of coming right straight out the headers. See if he got the buzz out of it. Listen to the RPMs. 
Okay, so what's the difference between that and then what we just saw? Well, you can see that he's at shrouds at least around his. Right. So that, for anything that's going to go out. You so know. most of the time it is your, when they go, they'll take the compressor, the housings out because it's aluminum. You'll, you'll, you'll throw the blades somewhat into the housing and that'll kind of take the blow. But um, because really with your, any, any single charger tractor or whatever, like a pro stock or a four one, the front of it is open. Um, they've got to be open cause that's how they breathe, but it's not, it's behind the grill. It is behind, um, some sort of sheet metal. There are scatter shields on the side of the motor. Um, so that if it does let loose, then that's the case. It, it's not that it was, it was open on the front. It's that the, the compressor housing was shrouded or was not shrouded. It does have, um, it did have a cable on it, um, and I don't know what that black thing was. It almost looks like it had somewhat of a blanket on it, but I don't know. It's just normally they don't, especially in a diesel, they're not allowed to sit out there without having that because normally you're running higher boost pressures on diesels. And that's the big issue. Gas motors and alcohol burners, if they've got a charger on them, they don't run near the boost pressure that a diesel will generate. But I mean, I've seen, I've seen this summer, um, in a four one, a wheel come out the front of the tractor. Um, there's a, there's a, as they push these things harder and harder, you're, we've, I've seen a lot of chargers pop this summer, whether it be, yep. you know, a smaller charger, or a bigger charger, um, as they turn them faster. And that's what they're starting to do. They're trying to slow them down to where they're not doing that. And when, like Bruce was saying earlier, when you stop one of these motors, Schultz, you know about this. You have to pull the guillotine or something stops real fast on a on a turbocharged motor. Guess what? You're putting a new wheel in if you're lucky. Yeah, um, if you're not lucky, you're putting pistons and, and going pulling the head and finding out how much of that thing you swallowed. Oh, but, Jason's been that not lucky guy. Yeah. That's just that's just the nature of the those the way those things operate. It's pretty rare to see them throw things out the front like that but in this case when it blew it threw the guillotine off the front of the charger yep now his compressor housing did stay together but that should have had at least at the very minimum some sort of shrouding around it not saying that would have kept everything in that direction when they when they scatter, they tend to go out, not forward. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Robert, hundred and forty thousand RPMs on on a three inch charger. I was being very conservative with that number that I threw out there. I know how fast these things turn. It's it's crazy. They have God, sensors. I didn't know you guys were turning them that hard, Rob. Oh yeah, yeah. They they are monitoring shaft speed on these a lot of these tractors, and they they go zing 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 zing. So spinning wheel of death was actually pretty accurate. Pretty much. Those things are, yeah. And that's the other thing too, is that they'll throw water in and uh, stop that, that, that expansion. And it's odd because they throw the water in front. They don't directly inject it. They put it in there and let it turn and come back in. So, yeah, 
that I just I wanted to bring that to I mean we've vowed to tell the stories of pulling we've vowed to talk about current events this is a current event that deserved to be talked about yep mm-hmm. all right two and a half because hours this, are we good? remember that time we said we we're gonna go for an hour <laughs> what a stupid well, thing that was we're gonna put that we're gonna put that squarely on the shoulders of brent payne because he just Talked and talked yeah. and talked and talked. That Brent Payne guy, yeah. shut him up. That guy, that guy. He doesn't know he's talking. Oh, if about. you want, you can throw me under the bus on this one because no, I just no. added twenty minutes. We, so uh, easy. We all have still, our... like, people stick around, guys. There's still a hundred people watching. So I mean, it's not like if we had seven people watching, even I'm gonna say it's bedtime fellers. But it's it's seriously, yeah. there are a hundred of you with nothing better to do. Oh, don't you dare do that, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare do that. We these appreciate you are, sticking around. These people uh, are fans. Okay, would guys. Love to, would love to see you guys um, voice your opinions on this, either in the comments here or <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, no. It, what it, was the name of it? What was the name of the guy who posted the video again? Maybe you should put that in the comments. Which one? But Logan Thomas? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Maybe you should put that name in the comments. Okay. Brent, you saw what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not above mobilizing somebody to, you know, mobilizing a crowd to improve the safety of our sport. No, it's all good. I'm because you know it. what? That could have been, I mean, you and I could have been the ones picking the shrapnel out of our arms. You and I both spent how much of our summer? At the end of a 300 foot track or at the middle of a 300 foot track. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you want to pick this shrapnel out of your arm? I don't. I picked shrapnel out of my arm. It was from Braden Shramick. It was not fun. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Zero of 10. Would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, picking shrapnel out of is <clears throat> never fun. It was in Wayne, it was in Wayne, Nebraska. And it makes it even worse when uh, when it's an easily preventative thing. You know, there's things that'll happen that's just out of control. I mean, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, these guys are pushing them to the limits. But when there's a safety precaution in place for preventing some of these things that happen, and you don't take those, and these brush poles or smaller clubs just don't enforce these rules, that's when... Bruce goes on his. Uh, that's on when his I heels. yeah. That's when I yep. tee up a, a ramp. Exactly. It is what it is, guys. We're one accident away from this never happening again. I don't want that to happen, and I don't think any of you guys do either. On that happy note, love you guys. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll pick the shrapnel out of your arms if I have to. Thanks, I won't buddy. want to. Thanks, buddy. I know. I know. Yeah, I ever want to know the definition of true love. So I will pick the pieces of turbocharger out of your shoulder. Wyatt, I need to get old Charles and Tyler Swa to see what night we can get them on there. No wheel feathers. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk. We're not. We're not bringing that up. No, not no, tonight. Anyway, that's a different discussion. Yeah. So. Ten a.m. Friday. Polish Championship Facebook page. See the classes. 
Yeah, I'm going to tee off on your rants then. <laughs> and I was in the middle of Iowa two weeks ago, my Humboldt, Iowa, which is south of Jackson, Minnesota, a two hour drive. 